0: Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today we have a very fun guest. It's my other best friend, Alex Dickerson. So if you are familiar with our social media or listen here regularly, you know that we've built a sorority house of sorts in that I'm on the the bottom floor, Alex is on the second floor, and Becca is on the top floor. So there's only four units in our whole building, And we've got 75% of the building. So we're going to talk to Alex about all sorts of stuff, about her career, about some juicy relationship stuff, um, tons of fun things, and some really fun friend stories, too. Some of them which are a little embarrassing to me, but it's fine. We just let it be a little mini Grace roast. Um, But we're so excited. But before we dive in, today's episode is sponsored by Night Pillow. And you guys know how much we love our night pillows. We literally could not sleep without ours. It's the best pillow ever. They also have amazing sheet masks. And if you go to discovernight.com, you can take 20% off your purchase with code BOP20. Can I talk now? Yes. Sorry, Becca. It's all about me and my night pillow.
1: (laughs) Well, we're excited for you to get to meet one of our other friends. We... Contrary to popular belief, we do have friends other than each other.
0: Yes. Imagine that.
1: But before we do it, let's do some highs and lows. Yeah. Becca, what's your high this week? My high is that we paid ourselves for the first time from the podcast. So exciting. We so far have been kind of reinvesting all of the money that we've made from the podcast into editing and um incorporation and and travel travel and I mean don't get us wrong we definitely spend our fair share on fun stuff too but um we finally after the tour paid ourselves the first time which feels so
0: good yeah it's very exciting I don't know what I'm going to do with my podcast money I mean it's not very much it's but not it's not exciting very yeah it's
1: exciting that we've built a thing and now it is turning a profit
0: yeah we're profitable look at us yeah we're like hundred It's great.
1: The other thing that is my high is I want – I know my high was getting a king-size bed a few weeks ago, but now I have been sleeping in my king-size bed. It is heaven. I am never going back. I sleep like a goddamn angel. It is actually shocking to me how much of the bed I take up.
0: I manage to roll from one side to the other every night. Oh, yeah, same. I starfish, and I'll wake up sometimes in my – Laying horizontal. Oh, it's great. It's
1: so good. My sleep app that I use that you know I love, I've been getting in the 90s oh, for a sleep wow. score every day. I've gotten a lot of hundreds recently, and I think it's the bed.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I know. What's yeah. your high? My high is, well, I've been making a lot of healthy choices this week, so I'm feeling a little bit better. My skin's starting to clear up. I am i don't want to talk about the status of my clothes fitting, but we're getting back to, back to normal. And um, I'm actually – So we're recording this a little bit in advance, but I'm actually on a yoga retreat this week. So Tuesday through Sunday, I'm going out to Sag Harbor with my favorite, favorite, favorite yoga instructor, Christopher Golden. He is the absolute best. He's an absolute angel and just such a talented teacher and also like puts a really strong emphasis on meditation. So I'm going to be like out in Sag Harbor eating amazing organic food, meditating, twice a day doing yoga twice a day and i cannot wait because life has been very very intense for me the past i don't know like five months um it's just been like deadline after deadline and live show tour and i feel like i just like can't get a break so i'm really looking forward to this i hope you come back a glowing health goddess i'll probably come back stressed out because i've been away yeah you probably will (laughs) but i'll be a, a stressed out glowing health goddess yeah what about lowe's this one's my own fault. I shouldn't have done this. So, oh, no, 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 no. I'm seeing what you did.
1: I got suckered in by one of those Instagram brands that has the cute clothing ads, and they had some summer like beach dresses. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to order from there. I bought five dresses. You can probably guess this already, but they are crap. The fabric is so gross. It's so gross. So some of them are see-through, and then some of them were made out of this, like, plasticky, weird material. I should have known that they were going to be not what they looked like. But they were (laughs) cheap. I ordered them anyway. So now I'm trying to return them, and it has turned into such a debacle. You're going to spend
0: more on shipping than you are on the actual I feel like
1: after one more day of trying, I'm just going to throw them out and eat the $110 that I spent there because all the dresses were, like, $25. So... I'm trying to return them. You have to email them to get the address to send the return. And when I email them, they only reply once a day. And um, the reply I get is always this canned response that asks me to hang up the clothes and take a picture of what's wrong with them and send them to them. And I've said now three times. I've gotten the same response and I have said to them, "The problem is that the clothes are crappy and I don't like the fabric. You you don't need a picture. I don't know what a picture is going to show you." Yeah. Like, "Please give me the address to return this." Oof. And um they won't. And yeah. it's so frustrating for whatever reason. I'm just like uh it's really killing me. But I feel like I'm about a day away from just stuffing them in the trash and being like, "Well, this never happened."
0: Yeah. Which is not a great way to deal with things Don't it's stu- very at wasteful. at least donate them. Don't stuff sure. them in the trash. Sure. But
1: like just being like, I'm just declaring this $100 gone. Yeah. This was a bad decision.
0: Oof. Instagram purchases are
1: rough. Oh, I was really hoping it would be cute. Yeah. Should have known better. Should have known Gotta better. Gotta keep my cheap fashion purchases on Amazon because yeah. at Am- least they have like such easy returns. So if you buy something from a weird brand on Amazon and it's terrible you can get your money back.
0: Yeah, Amazon's the best for that. All right, what about you? What's your low? Well, it could be a high, but I finally got my desktop computer back.
2: Yeah, why um, isn't that your
0: high? Well, I had other highs to talk about. I'm being very healthy. So you're turning this one into a low? Well, no, I got it back. Um, So... <sighs> a few weeks ago, my computer just turned itself off. Like I was in the middle of working on a blog post and it just turned itself off. I was like, this is interesting. So I tried to turn it back on and nothing would happen. So I take it to the Apple store, which is a very heavy computer. So I Ubered to the Apple store, which is only like five blocks away from us. And they proceeded to be able to turn it on themselves. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. And, um, what ended up happening was they're like, well, let's just keep it here to run a few tests. And then lo and behold, the logic board needed to be replaced. And then once they replaced the logic board, something happened to the display. So they replaced the display for free, but it cost $1,100 to Whoa. fix my computer. Yes. And I have, so I have the MacBook. Pro, No, sorry, not MacBook. I have the iMac Pro, and that's like a $5,000 computer, which, I mean, I'm on my computer all day. I need a lot of memory because of whether it's editing the podcast, editing video, editing photos. Like, I usually have a lot open and stuff. So it's a great computer for me, but $1,100 to fix it was, like, pretty rough. That sucks. Yeah. So that wasn't great. My other low is it's the Nordstrom sale, which is, like, the blogger... um, Super Bowl, I guess. I don't know what to say. It's a really high earning time for the blogs, like in terms of affiliate revenue. Like, I don't even, I can't even tell you how much money I made last year. It was crazy. But I don't really want to do a post about the sale. So this is being recorded in advance, and I might not have posted. I don't know. Like, it's just, Every single blogger right now is talking about it. I can't even be on my Instagram stories. Are you noticing this as a non-blogger?
1: I am. I'm noticing a lot of people talking about their approach for the Nordstrom sale where they're like prepping people from it for it and explaining
0: why they're doing it and what they're going to do for it. Like, do you require prep for a sale? Like, I think that like I know why they're doing it. They're doing it for SEO, but it's it just seems like so much hype. Yeah. Are you annoyed by it as a non-blogger? I'm, uh, I'm curious.
1: I'm not really annoyed by it. Um, I think the reality is, is that the Nordstrom sale is fall clothing. Yes. And I do not feel in the mood to shop for fall clothes.
0: I'm not either. It's the
1: dead of summer, so I don't really care. So I don't feel
0: excited by this sale in any way, shape or form. Like I'm not. Interesting. Even though prices will go back up at after the sale. So you get like new things mm. before. No. What about the beauty deals? No. Okay, I always love the beauty deals. No.
1: I'm I'm just like not really into it. I don't think it's bothering me. I am noticing a lot of people just explaining the their reasoning cuz I think they're trying to get ahead of people being angry at them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Jess Keys had a good story the other night. I I think some people are doing a good job. I think she's doing Yeah,
1: she's a really good job. I love I like when she explains the business behind blogging and talks about the money side of things. I think she's very transparent, which I appreciate. Um, But yeah. No, I'm seeing a lot of pre-sale content before the sale even.
0: Yeah, I'm already exhausted by it. I probably follow like 30 times more bloggers than you follow. And some like Jess are doing a really good job, but I'm just getting very overwhelmed. I'm already like, do I even want to cover this? Like, is it really worth the money? It is worth the money, but I don't know.
1: So before we... Talk to Alex. I just want to have a desperation thirty seconds. Desperation half a minute.
0: Yes, we got so many nice reviews when we did our um, three woman giveaway. Yes, so thank you if that led you
1: to leave a review. Apparently, we've learned our lesson. We need to give you something, which is fine. You, yeah, which is fine. But if you did not leave us a review, we would really appreciate it. And if you already left us a review, tell your friends. Um, we're going to do some more live shows this fall in some new cities and go back to a couple of the cities that we already went to. And um, we would love your IRL friends to be part of that. So get them hooked on the podcast so that they'll come with you. Um, and if you live in a city where we're not going, the best way to ensure a show is to get everyone you
0: know hooked. Yeah, because we base our live show on analytics. It's yeah. not just where we want to go. Well, we learned. Sometimes our, it is. Yeah, sometimes it is. We learned our lesson there. I want to go to Canada. You don't. I don't. I'm going to Canada for the for the where'd you go, Bernadette thing. I'm I said yes at to you it. for that. You've got to become an influencer, Becca. Anyway,
1: leave us a review. Follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. Join our Facebook
0: group because there's a lot of good book recommendations in there. There's so many good book recommendations.
1: Thus concludes another desperation minute. Yes. Thank you. But before we get... It's also a moment of thanks. Moment of thanks, yeah. Yeah. But before we get into talking to Alex, let's take a word
0: from one of our sponsors. So we already mentioned that today's episode is sponsored by Night Pillow. I just love this brand so much. I'm obsessive about my bed and my bedding. You hear both of us raving about our king-size beds. But the Night Pillow is the best pillow I've ever tried. I have two of them now, the king-size ones and I've I've had mine for well I had the first one now I have two for four years now long before we ever even had a podcast so Night Pillow is New York based female founded and they have a totally unique product I've personally struggled with insomnia my whole life and I sleep so much better with it. The memory foam is really great and it's very supportive. Tyrion loves it, and anytime I'm dating someone, aka not right now, um, they try and steal it from me. But now I have two. I put that in my Hinge bio. I'm selling a lot of pillows, but I don't seem to be getting any dates. Um, So as if that wasn't enough, um, it's the most comfortable pillow ever. It's also great for your skin and hair. The cover is silk, so it helps to preserve a blowout, and it's really good for your skin. But don't take my word for it. I wanted to read this really cute DM from a reader. This person wrote, OMG, you guys are the best, and your night pillow recco has been a game changer. I haven't been able to get comfortable at night since my daughter was born over a year ago. Obviously, this made for one cranky mama. I asked for this pillow for Mother's Day based on your suggestion and have had amazing, she spelled it like that, sleeps ever since. Anyways, thank you, and please continue with the PSA. More people need to know about this. It's so worth the money. That came from someone called Jamie. Um, I'm not going to say her, her whole handle because I think that's a violation of privacy. But thanks, Jamie. This that that like when we get DMs like that about the products that we talk about, it makes me so so happy. Um, so, anyways, we have a special offer for you. If you go to Discovernight.com to learn about the Night Pillow and their other luxurious sleep products, aka those sheet masks I was talking about earlier, you can take 20% off your entire order. It's 20% off using code BOP20. And again, the website is discovernight.com. Today's guest is very exciting for me as we are interviewing my other best friend, Alex. So for those of you who don't know, because we talk about it all the time, Alex lives in our building too. And she's actually responsible for the whole sorority house vibe. She's lived here several years. Then I moved in two years ago. And then Becca moved in a few months ago. And it's really just the best. So besides being our third bestie and the president of the sorority house, Alex has a really cool career. She started out on the agency side of PR. Then she went back to school for her MBA in Barcelona and started her own PR firm. Today, she does a mix of things. She's partially in-house. She runs all the events and fun fashion parties for the daily front row. She also has several private clients. She's a one-woman show, planning events and doing a mix of old-school print and digital PR along with all of the cool new influencer stuff. Besides all that, Alex is a Tracy Anderson devotee. She is a mom to a beautiful blue Abyssinian cat, Oscar. If you follow my Instagram stories, that's the evil cat that hates me. And she is one of the smartest and funniest people we know. So today's episode is going to be part discussion, part interview, and we're going to talk about everything from friendship to careers um, to dating and relationships. Hi, Alex. Hi, everybody. We're so happy to have you here. And we have tequila. Alex is the first guest that has brought us alcohol to record with. It felt important. Alex, we're also available
1: as Hype Women for your next reunion, bat mitzvah, if you ever need an introduction.
2: I will take take you up on that. That was a very kind introduction and actually made me a little nervous. Um, Grace, I would like to say (laughs) thank you for giving Oscar that nod. I know that that was probably hard for you. I appreciate He's it. He's a beautiful
0: blue Abyssinian that's actually diabolical towards I just focus on his people. look.
2: <laughs> he is very handsome. And he, for those of you that are listening, Oscar... I actually still have a scar on my wrist. <laughs> Oscar has feelings about grace um, that are hard to pinpoint why they are as negative as they are, but they are deeply... Unfriendly,
0: and it's so sad because Alex always takes care of my cat when I go away, and like I want to return the favor.
2: But nope.
0: he, he hates it. Yeah, it's it's not a good scene.
2: It's
1: also very specific to you.
2: It's yeah. completely
0: oh. specific to me. No, and and, and one
2: other, Natalie, the person that lived in this apartment where Grace lives, before. our other best friend. So I actually think that there is something about this apartment, and that he just doesn't like those that live here.
0: I think it might have. to I do think with it's that. the ghost
2: of Natalie's old cats, frankly.
1: Yeah. Well, wait, Alex. So we introduced you the best way we know how. But can you tell us in your own words who are you? What a weird question that is. <laughs> who, are who are you?
2: It is kind of weird. <laughs> and you get co- here, and you covered a lot, which was uh, makes this question tough. Um, I always say I was recently asked this uh, at a class introduction. What would the title of my memoir be? What would the title of your memoir be? And it would be. the the one that could be published, I think I would call it the accidental strategist because my life, When if I tell you about my career or I tell you about the path that I've taken, it sounds very planned and, oh, she clearly did step A to get to step B to turn that into career C, but really I just sort of bumbled through everything and got very lucky and turned it into a a good final piece.
1: So now what's the title of the memoir that is not for public consumption? (laughs) Have you had enough tequila to share that yet? Not yet. She's well, only you, had one sip. You can ask me at the end of the, okay, we'll at look the, end back, of the podcast. Okay, we'll look back
2: at the end. <laughs> An exercise in bitchery? I don't know. Like.
0: <laughs> can I speak to the manager? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> we'll loop back. Alex is definitely our snarkiest friend. And I have to say, last <laughs> night was so fun. Last night was the 4th of July, we, so we were recording this pretty far in Way advance. Way in advance. Because we have opposite travel plans this summer. Um, and Alex was jumping up and down at the fireworks like a little kid. It was the <laughs> cutest thing I've ever seen.
2: So... Oh, so anyway, who am I? That was where we were. Yeah, yeah. Who um, are
0: you? Fireworks
2: aficionado. I am a childlike firework appreciator. I am a tequila connoisseur. Um... No, in reality, I'm somebody that has been very lucky in that I have a career that has allowed me to have some really amazing experiences and to find some very cool friends. Um, And one of my, what I think is one of my greatest skills is I'm a big connector. I really enjoy getting to know people. And then... Expanding a group with that. I'm not a selfish friend kind of person where I meet one person and I just kind of hoard them and keep them all to myself. I really enjoy introducing friends. I really enjoy meeting friends of friends. Um, and I've, because I work in PR, which the base of that is actually connecting and communicating. I'm really lucky in that something that I enjoy on a personal level, I'm able to translate into a professional level. So I would say at my like true heart on work and life front, I'm somebody that enjoys Connections and getting to know people on a way that's more than just who they put themselves out to be on the internet or what somebody else says about them. So,
1: wait, how do you and Grace know each other? <laughs> it all
2: goes back to Bobble Bar. <laughs> Does it?
1: Everything oh, goes back. It, to everything Bobble goes Bar. back to Bobble Bar. I don't. Re- I know. I
2: know this, but I don't remember. Yeah. So Grace and I met. I went to Bobble Bar um, to take a meeting to introduced Bobble bar to some of my clients. So I specialized in jewelry PR for a long time. Oh yeah, cuz we used to we used to stock you designer did. jewelry. Right. I remember and so that. I took a meeting to meet people and talk about potential designers that you guys could stock, but also maybe it make some introductions for designers to do private label for you guys or them, since you guys neither w- don't work there anymore. Um, <laughs> so I just, really, it was also just sort of like a networking meeting, um, because Bobble Bar was really making a lot of plays in the jewelry space at the time, and I wanted to know what was going on, just so that I was educated for my clients in the media. And so I came in, and I remember, I, th- my meeting was not with Grace, okay. it was with other people. Yeah, And um, it was an old friend of mine that worked there that had brought me in for the meeting, who used to be an editor at Women's Wear. And so... I had my meeting with who I don't even remember who it was, and I was leaving, and this girl said to me, "Oh my gosh, that's Grace. She works on our social media team. She's Lulu Frost's Runs biggest fan." Runs the social
0: media team. Thank you. Oh,
2: sorry, <laughs> It's ancient history. This. Um, she, she's obsessed with Lulu Frost, who was one of my clients at the time. Um, you know, I she's their biggest fan, and I said, "Oh, I would love to meet her. You know, why don't you introduce me?" And I went over to meet Grace, and she just had this amazing childlike enthusiasm for the brand lulu frost and just for what she was doing kind of what you witnessed with me with fireworks i feel like that was grace with (laughs) With lulu yeah and i didn't think anything of it and i just said hey if you're a big fan why don't you come to the showroom because grace you had your blog at that time um and you were definitely somebody that we were aware of in the influencer space but this was also before the influencer space was as huge as it is now yeah but I said, why don't you come in and hang out with us and we can make some jewelry and we can have some wine and just hang out and get to know each other. And Grace's eyes were the size of like dinner plates when I said that. <laughs> she was like, oh, my God, really? And I'm sitting there. I did not think it was a big deal at all. But then seeing this enthusiasm in her face and I was like, we've got a fan. OK. <laughs> so I invited you to come in not long after that. Yeah. And we and you haven't gotten rid of her since. No, never since. But yeah. we just had the best time. I it's. I just knew right away that you were somebody that I really loved your energy and I liked your creativity. You made jewelry with us, I
0: think, or we you did. W- well, Lisa mostly made it, and I <laughs> gave her things. I was like, "Here, here are these." I gave her like all these like old family heirlooms that there was like nothing I could do with like belt buckles and things and she took the belt buckle and made them into like the most dazzling pair of earrings. She was amazing.
2: And you also went through a lot of the old collections and were wearing (laughs) some styles that are really questionable. (laughs) Remember you gravitated to the pieces that we had lots of inventory on? Like the lion necklace? The lion necklace is what I'm thinking of.
0: That necklace got like my (laughs) first mean comment on the blog. Like, (laughs) People were like, what the fuck is that? It was pretty bad, it I have to really say. It was really bad. Um, but I Do you really, still have that? I know no. exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that big uh, lion necklace. Yeah. I loved it. It was like a $600 necklace. Yeah. It wasn't something. I want to say like I, I, said, I still bought it. I got like a it was like right on it. Wasn't it like a wood? I think wood I was made of it, it.
2: Plastic. Okay, it was I like a I paid big big like three or four hundred dollars for it, <laughs> definitely a choice. I remember and I didn't know you well enough, and you know me so well. I love well.
0: lions because you know, it's I know you stuff, do, but, but it's the taggiest necklace. Sorry, oh, sorry. Lisa, if
2: you're hearing <laughs> you guys know me so well, and think about how hard it was for me not to have told you what I thought about that in the time. You talked
1: so much shit about Grace when she left. You were like, <laughs> you oh
2: my god, you are probably like that weird Lulu. Oh Frost my god, no, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. So the thing is, I didn't have an audience for the shit talking because. It was the designer of the necklace that I thought was so ugly. So I really had to stuff that inside for so long. But you know me. I'm very opinionated. I know. And I just had to smile and say, it looks fabulous. This necklace is amazing. I was like, that's what I want. <laughs> I was like, wow, this girl's blog is not going anywhere. OK. But um, no, so I think we really had like such a genuinely fun time designing jewelry. And being creative with somebody is such a good way to get to know them because yeah. It does. Creativity nurtures that inner child that you have. Think about how much fun it was when you were a little kid and you just played. And it was like, watch, look at me do a cartwheel. And then, you know, you would do that and like break off into these fun sort of no judgment zones. And I think as an adult, it's really fun to have that opportunity to get to know somebody underneath the veneer of like who they want you to think that they are.
1: Well, I'm really mad because I moved to Williamsburg and my the pottery painting place that I used to love here went out of business. Oh,
2: well, there's another one up the road. There is? There is.
1: Yeah. I is think- it the one that went out a business? No. Let's go do that and okay. be creative. Together. I'll, take, I'll take you up there. Oh, my God. I love it. There we was one bond. called Baked in Brooklyn.
2: Oh. It was they were cute. probably really don't. <laughs> it sounds
1: like, it sounds no, like I think a like, like like cover for a child classes. Weed. <laughs> it
2: was cute. Um, That's the creative activity I want to do. <laughs> okay. I would love that. That'd yeah. be fun. Um, but from there, Grace, you. We invited you to come back in to remake some of your heirlooms. I remember, we tried to that failed mirror project. Oh, do you God, remember? Yes. We were I trying to glue that,
0: that really ugly plastic mirror. <laughs> so bad. It looked like a three dollar like job lot find. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, we're gonna make this pretty. That we
2: hot glued like yeah. strands of weird stones onto to yeah. They were still hanging off. And this was again where I'm sitting there smelling, going, it looks great, it looks so good.
0: And we're like, what are we gonna do with this? Yeah. The whole thing got scraps. It, it didn't did. Go on Lisa's blog.
2: It didn't go on mine. It, it, it was, it was on a road to nowhere, but
0: yeah. um, it was still fun. And that was
2: the second time that we hung out, I remember. Yeah. And we had to do it before work because you were working at 9 to 5. And <laughs> yeah. it sticks out in my mind because I had to get up early and I was not yeah. happy. we were
0: there at like 7 a.m. <laughs> oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: to glue like sequins <laughs> onto a crap mirror ah.
0: for nothing. For, no- for nothing. It was great.
2: But you and I really bonded when you went through your breakup. Yes. and. We had gone through the
0: same thing like six months earlier. I think even less. Yeah, it was it was it fresh. Was, yeah, was we a both freshie. went through breakups with live-in boyfriends. Yeah, yeah, and we were both like hot messes. So we drank a lot together. We
2: did. Yeah. That was when we were we had the habit of going out and laying down in front of good <laughs> cars, cars that had been in like an accident but were left on the side of the road. That's and how
1: Grace's secret Instagram started. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, because yeah. she
2: couldn't post those to her real Instagram.
0: Oh, wow. So those then we would good. have, like, full-on photo shoots in front of, like, busted-up cars. like <laughs> but, like, looking like we were roadkill, which is just <laughs> deeply so insensitive, but so, so bad. funny.
2: <laughs> well, we also had this phase, do you remember, where we would take selfies pretending like we had died somewhere? We <laughs> <Yes. laughs> would be laying on a bathroom floor, like, pretending to look dead in front of the toilet, and then we would text it to the group. <laughs> Why were you laying on, like, public bathrooms? No, 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 our oh, bathroom Our bathroom. Oh, our bathroom. Okay. Okay. oh but, but the public streets of New York, <laughs> super cool. Totally Fine. <laughs> totally. For fine. some reason,
1: I'm more okay with that than a public bathroom. Oh, okay. I don't know why. I, I
2: look. We're <laughs> both still alive. Nobody contracted yeah. a disease that we can't get rid of that, that we know, you know of. And it's, yeah,
0: we never know. got in the cars. I think no. I tried once. <laughs>
2: you did because that one had a busted out sunroof. Yeah, and you, I caught you on the hood, like <laughs> trying to go through the sunroof, and I was like, "This is, we've gone too far." This was also deep in Grace's kleptomania phase. <laughs> oh yes, yes, that's right you and I remember the buoy <laughs> I was going to say the buoy that I helped you I like ran interference on for you to yeah. steal where I I went in to be like the dummy to get caught stealing something <laughs> so that they would focus on me and then Grace could run out with the buoy
1: so for those of you who are unfamiliar Grace went through a phase probably about five or six years ago where she would go to a bar she would get drunk and she would try to steal shit
0: yes never anything of real value but no. like just a random weird things, odd thing odd mm-hmm. Yes. I don't want people to think I was like shoplifting. No, 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 no. no. That wasn't no, that was that for sale. It was it
2: was only items that weren't for sale that you wanted yeah. to steal. Yeah. No restaurant or bar was safe. Yeah.
0: You weren't great at it. No, I wasn't. I mean, have I ever been subtle? <laughs> I remember at one of your
1: birthday parties we were at Gilligan's at the Soho Grand, and you had this life preserver over your shoulder.
0: Oh, I put it around my waist. Oh, you put it around and your waist. Out.
1: And the the bouncer was like, ma'am, we can
0: see you. Ma'am, you can't take that. Oh, my God. Oh. So this is just turning into a grace roast. So I think it's time to transition to some questions. You can roast me if you want. Bring it on. But one of the, the core things about this podcast is it is a podcast about friendship. And we wanted to talk a little bit about friendships, like in your 20s versus in your 30s and 40s. So how have you seen your friendships change and evolve throughout the years? It
2: definitely speaks to the phrase quality over quantity. I think that's something that changes a lot with friendships. I remember in my early 20s in New York, I could call 15 people on a Tuesday and get at least seven to go out and yeah. to go drinking all night or to go to a movie. I mean, it could be anything. It didn't have to be drunk related. But in your 20s, yeah. that's what it usually is. Um, but it was just a much bigger group. Um, and there were more options. People were less busy with work or they were able to drink all night and still go to work the next day, which has definitely changed as we've gotten older. But there was – it felt more like college. I think it was an extension of that college sensation when you go out to parties and you could walk into a party and know that you were going to know 50 people there. Yeah, um, We don't have that as much in our 30s and 40s I don't find um well
1: wait so you just turned
2: 40 I, I feel like
1: we should clarify because yeah. everyone She's, knows how old we are yeah. Uh, yeah
2: I appreciated when I was reading the notes on this that, yeah. that it got 30s slash 40s that yeah. <laughs> I can I can welcome us well into you don't this have a decade. lot of
0: experience in your 40s yet you're very early into that decade. very fresh yes very fresh
2: but yes I am 40 I turned 40 in February um
0: I didn't mean to like throw you under the no, bus no
2: it's 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 how old I am. I just 40. felt like it was helpful. Context. Nor am I, I. I'm actually really not sensitive to it. And you I also have to don't say, look forty. Thank you. That's yeah. a lot because of Grace and her skincare tips. <laughs> They're golden people.
0: And you have the best jeans. I do have good jeans. I'm yeah. very lucky. But um, I have to say, forty
2: is awesome so far. So for anybody that's really dreading that, I think if I was looking at my twenties and my thirties, and now the entrance into the forties. My favorite time in life has been my late 30s, which you might not expect me to say given some of the crap that I've gone through, which we'll that get we're to later. Talk about. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're we've got some dirt. We <clears> got ditch. some we got some tea to spill, but yes. um no, I've really enjoyed getting older and I've really liked turning 40 because it I don't know, there's something about it that I just feel like people take me a little bit more seriously professionally. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's it's very and not that people didn't take me seriously before, but there's something, maybe it's an internal confidence that I have where I'm like, I'm 40. I've been out of college for almost 20 years. I've still made it. I'm still in New York. I'm still running my own thing. Like it it it's been a point of pride almost that I feel more so than I, I did in the past. So um but the friendship part of it I also think that my friendships are so much more meaningful and so much more valuable to me as I've been in my thirties and, and turning into 40. Um, because my friends are really my family and that's the, it's a choice that you make. You know, you're given a family in a lot of ways when you're born. Um, I come from a very, very small family. I'm both of my parents were only children. Um, my dad left when I was 12 or 13. And so it was just my mom and I and I don't have aunts, uncles, cousins, none of that. So it was a very, Limited family tree that I have Which I think is part of the reason That I work so hard to have friends That are family because I want that around me I'm not I, I don't want to be isolated I'm not somebody that necessarily just enjoys Being alone all the time I like it sometimes But um, it's important to me to Make an effort to go out And to find those people to have in my life Because I don't have it built in I don't go to a family reunion And I have five cousins that I can pal around with Or anything like that So um, You know I A lot of the friends that I had in my early 20s, I still have now. So it's not that there's been a big turnover from those bar days and huge groups, but it's just kind of whittled down into the stars of those groups and the people that have really – we've been there for each other. They've been there for me through some of the other things. Also, a lot of it just depends on where you are in your life. I mean, careers and family and marriages and all that can take people in a lot of different directions. Um, But it just – The friendships that I have are closer, more intimate, and more meaningful to me now than they were back when I had thirty different people to choose from. Wait, so do you consider yourself an extrovert? I am. Yeah. Okay. I am an extrovert. I have fleeting introvert moments. Like I will need to recharge. Well, I don't think
1: anyone's all
0: one or yeah, everyone's a mix.
2: But I'm really, you know. I live by myself, and I really value that. I sure. could not have a roommate. I really, when I'm home, I am home alone, reading, watching TV, doing things for myself. And that's the, what I need to recharge. So, you know, part of what I do in, professionally is the event planning, where I'm literally smiling at everyone. It's like, put Vaseline on your teeth and smile and just go through the whole thing and talk to everybody. And that's exhausting. Like, I truly need to come home and have a night by myself to binge a TV show or to do all that.
1: Wait, so what are your tips? What's your, like, best advice for making new friends? Because I feel like you always have new friends.
2: <laughs> I think... Uh, this is tough. Um, I don't automatically like everyone. You guys can... <laughs> attest to that thank you that's a she, polite way
0: to put that yes she I, doesn't like anyone that's not true no, that is serious. not
2: true I just don't I'm not somebody that walks into a room and says oh my gosh here are 20 new friends for me to make I can't wait to put them all into my like menagerie of friends it doesn't go like that um I have, what a creepy dollhouse that sounds yeah. like yeah you live in it <laughs> great yeah creepy dollhouse we doll put you house. in it um no I, I don't gotta go I don't <laughs> You know, I I don't like everybody and I have a very quick and trusted gut reaction to people when I meet them. And it's not – when I say this, it doesn't sound fair. It doesn't sound like like I might be insane. But I meet people and I will sort of know within five minutes if you're somebody that I want to be friends with or not. And if if the answer is not, you're not going to get a lot of time from me. I'm sorry to say it, but I won't – necessarily be rude. (laughs) I'll usually just sort of move my attentions elsewhere. So I'm really very thoughtful when I want to make a new friend because it's somebody that I have responded to in that unspoken way that I just know that that person has something for me to learn more about and that i hopefully have something for them i don't want to sound like they've got something for me only but
1: yeah well okay so it's if a you're, connection yeah yeah if you're more selective about it how do you find those people and then once you find someone how, how do you, how do
0: you like get them into your them. menagerie of friends <laughs> how do you put them in the creepy dollhouse? that is
2: so creepy i can't believe i said that um Put the lotion in the basket. <laughs> it puts the lotion in the basket and then it's my friend again. Um, you know, I'm so lucky in what I do that I am constantly in situations where I am expected to meet people and to make them my friend. At a party, that is my job. And I can fake it and I will smile and whatever and, and move through it doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to call that person the next day, but I'm really in a place with PR and events and everything else that it is my job to be friendly with people. And I'm lucky because it's my job to be friendly with people who are really smart and designers or editors or writers or, you know, business planners, all that. Like I just meet really cool people. So I recognize I have a head start on a pool of people to meet that could be really cool friends. Um, what do I do to take that next step? I just treat it like I'm just direct. Just I say, oh my gosh, I really love talking to you. We should get a cocktail sometime. Or I f- find a way to... I mean, this sounds creepy. Like to touch base with them the next day and share a joke that we had. You know, if we had a great conversation and we were talking about a person that we thought was cute at the party, I'll email them the next day and say, oh my gosh, I cyber stalked him. Here he is. Here's this, you know, a screenshot of his Instagram or something like that. (laughs) Like I'll just find a way to reference something that we connected over to continue that connection and then also further it and to hopefully grow things from there. So, I mean, it's a lot like dating and that dynamic is just like maybe less rejection for people. So it's not as scary for me because I'm certainly not like that in meeting men. But um, it's – I just care. I try and I will put it out there and I don't think it's intimidating to ask somebody out for a cocktail. And I think that's a great way to get to know somebody. Like go out, have a martini, relax, have fun, talk about work, talk about life and then just move friendship on from there. Um, But I also – I think you guys can attest – I try. Like, I stay in touch. You will get a text. (laughs) You will get stalked. You will, like, I'm not going to just let you, like... You sound like a low-key serial killer right I really do. No, I'm the same way. When I like
0: someone, I'm like, let's be friends. Yeah. And, like, I'm going to, like, continually invite you over and make an effort and, like, text you things I think are funny. Yeah. Comments on every Instagram. Like, I mean, I'm a creep, but it's fine. But
2: that's... It's, it's, it's only creepy if you don't want it. Well, yeah. I was going to say, okay, so this is like – Amber, another good friend of ours, has this thing called the – I don't think she invented it, but the dop, the dobbler Dahmer effect. What's that? And so, okay, so Jeffrey Dahmer, we all know who yeah, that yeah, is. Yeah. He's somebody that does some creepy things. And sure. then there's Lloyd Dobbler, who's the character from Say Anything, who stood outside the oh, window yeah, with yeah, the yeah. boombox. And so what it all boils down to is if you like somebody – it, oh. it, or, or how you feel about somebody will interpret how you view their attentions towards you. So if you like yeah. a guy and he sends you 30 texts... I feel Lloyd, like they
0: talk about this on You Up. Like I feel Oh, maybe. Like they're like, it's all about how you react.
2: Yeah. Like, so if I like you and you send me 30 texts, you're Lloyd Dobler outside my window with a stereo and I'm like heart melting. If yeah. I don't like you and you send me 30 texts, like I'm changing my address, my hair color, everything. Like <laughs> so um, <laughs> I think... it's like that with friends and dating it's like back to the original point of that I will be in touch and I'm either Lloyd or Jeffrey and if if I'm Jeffrey and you stop responding I will not keep pushing I also do pride myself on being able to read a room and knowing if somebody's feeling it or not and I will back off if somebody doesn't want my friendship affections then (laughs) I will move on to someone else so put someone else in your doll yeah we'll just But but, but play a boombox outside somebody else's window. It's not a big deal. (laughs) Just going down bed for an app with your boombox. Oh, it's an image.
0: But wait, something I know you've done. The other question, besides making making new friends, we always get is getting rid of friends you don't want anymore. We get asked about friend breakups like constantly. Anytime we get do yeah. a question, call for questions, people yep. are like, "How do I break up with my friend?" Well, you guys talked about that in your first live show, I yeah. remember, and that was one of the topics that I feel
2: like had the most energy to it, and everybody on the panel really had a lot of different things to say. So, yeah, like, do you ghost them like Katie does, or do you? Katie's is so funny, and then when she had the realization. <laughs> that she was like, oh, my God, is that friend breaking up with me? Is that what's happened? Um, it's so funny. But, yes, friend breakups. I think that's definitely another phase of life that happens as you get older, too, because I think in your 20s it's a lot easier to suffer fools because there's padding around it of, like, 50 people at a bar. So if one of your friends is being a schmuck and you don't want to deal with them, you just go talk to the other 15 friends and yeah. ice her out for the night or whatever, but then, you know, you're all back again.
1: All right, Wait so are you a formal breaker-upper
2: are you a ghoster are you like a slow fader I am a formal breaker-upper
0: oh. I know yes yeah that's what we both well don't oh. please if we ever break up like don't, just ghost me like we've we always say like I would so much rather you just fade me out of your life than sit me down and tell me like all the things that are wrong with me well and but that's not what
2: I do that's not a, like that's not a formal <laughs> breakup to me okay I, I think what what's I, your playbook <clears throat> I don't have a playbook because it's (laughs) friend-specific, nor do I go around just casting people aside. But I think what I say when I answered saying I'm a formal breaker-upper, you're not going to wonder if we're friends anymore. You're not going to be like, oh, gosh, I haven't seen her in six months. Is everything okay? No. You're going to know that there has been a change in status somewhere in our friendship. And also, to be clear – I have been broken up with as a friend. I am not just some dictator okay. that sits here and I'm I'm comfortable to say that.
1: Is there a friend breakup that you feel comfortable going into like the juicy details without naming names? Can you give me like an example?
2: <clears throat> you can yeah. say no. No, no, I there is. I'm just trying to think of the best one. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> um and the best one like what would what would people listening relate to you know right. why why is it a, a a meaningful friend breakup um you know <laughs> i think one of the ones that i'm going through right now or that i have recently gone through um a, a good friend of mine and i have stopped being friends um because we met at a time in our lives when we needed each other. I think there's this phrase: "Friends for a reason, friends for a season, and friends for a lifetime."
0: And I, I th- think Hitha says that I, she yeah. did. I remember yeah. that actually. I the, love that line. And I think
2: that's part of getting older and also sort of evaluating and understanding your relationships is. If you feel yourself going through turmoil with a friend or a boyfriend, because it doesn't happen overnight, you know, you don't just wake up and be like, ew, Grace, she's so gross. <laughs> it's, you know, there's, there's hopefully going to have been a lead up to this and a reason that you're feeling like you need to change the status of your friendship, um, is to really look at why is that happening? Is it because of a way that I'm feeling? Is it because of a specific action that that friend has done? Is it something that can be remedied? Or do you guys just, have you grown apart? And I have a friend that I've grown apart with. We met when uh, a little over ten years ago, and I was friends with her because we were in an isolated experience when we were in another country far away from people, and we had things in common. She was American, I was an American, and that was an easy way to sort of just latch onto something in a totally foreign environment. And we were very close, and then we lost touch for a few years, and then rekindled our friendship. It never nothing bad had happened in the lose touch time, but we just weren't talking as often, then we rekindled things and really were together in a more consistent way. And I think when that was happening, we were both starting to see we're different people now than we Mm. were then. And it was okay because there was no conflict. You know, it was okay to just peacefully coexist and just see, okay, she's a little different than I am now. We have different values and different goals and whatever. And we took a trip together a few months ago and wow, when you're on a trip, you cannot escape differences that are core value differences. And we did not have a good time. And it was very hard for both of us, I think, to see how different we were and that the friendship that we had before was not the same. And Taking a trip together
1: is very sink or swim. Oh, yes.
2: Oh, yes. And this was tough. And we stuck it out through the trip and tried not to have drama on the trip. And I would say... I would say that we didn't. I don't know. Maybe she has a different feeling about things. But um, after that, we really didn't speak, and I uh, she unfriended me on Instagram.
1: Wow!
2: And yeah. that was how. So she took the. This is the one that broke the up major with me. Move. This is the one that broke up with me. And it's okay. I'm I am i am willing to let let it go. It's not something. Right. I, I was feeling the same way. But you I, got
0: a new friend out of it, though. I did. I did. So there was another person on this trip with them. There was, and.
2: You know, I think we also, being older, there's very much like a no new friends kind of hesitancy when you're meeting people. Well, also, I just think like I find myself getting
1: more rigid as I get older, where you're just like, especially in a trip, you're like, I spent a lot of money. This is my time to decompress. You're like, if I don't want to do something. Yes. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. It's yeah. It's not like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll go on this, like, 13-mile hike with you. That sounds
2: great. If I don't want to do it, no. I'm not going to do yeah, it. Yeah, I paid just yeah. as much to be here as you did, and I'm not into that. You should do it. Like yeah. and, and it's I'm not here things, to like, stop you. I'm like, absolutely go forth and prosper and right. uh, enjoy that. I am going to drink six bottles of sake and eat sushi until I want to explode. If you want to wake up early and run to the fish market, that's great.
0: Yeah. I don't. <laughs> and that's how I feel about traveling with both of you because, like – when we were in Mexico you guys went off and did your own thing they rode bikes and I laid by the pool of the margarita and finished the idea of you so I I think it's the best
2: choice that was ever made and I think Becca can fully support that yeah I already read read
1: it it. so like I didn't it wasn't an option that was available to me
2: reread it Becca I did she's read it twice
0: or maybe more just twice yeah
2: um but yeah so that was hard but to your point, I then actually made a really amazing new friend Because you bonded over your hatred of the other friend. No, that is absolutely not true. <laughs> and this is very important to me that that is not what I'm kidding, is the reflected from of. that. Because, no, because interestingly, the new friend and I have made a very distinct point to not talk about the other friend. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I we did it without even saying it to each other. Oh. Because we both had issues with the same friend on the same trip. And, you know, to, when it was happening, I will say – The friend of mine that I'm not in touch with anymore, she's going through a lot. And she's got a lot of very, very hard things in her life happening. And I had sort of given it some of her behavior and what had happened hall pass because you have to be sensitive to what somebody's going through. And so I gave her that space. And I didn't say things to her on the trip that I now in hindsight wish I had because I was just trying to be kind because I knew that she was going through a lot. I'm disappointed that we never got the chance to really talk about things. I tried. I'll, I'll tell you guys, like, I did try to talk to her. I did not try as hard as I could have. I didn't push, push, push. But I did reach out after and say, yeah. how are things? I'd love to talk to you. And she just totally blew me off. And that's when I knew that this was yeah. probably going to be ending. Um, and she did end it in a way that I thought was pretty unceremonious. But um Man, follow.
0: Yeah. That's a tough yeah. one. <laughs> that's a brutal one. Yeah. At least um, she didn't block you. I've been blocked. Well, no, I blocked people. Yeah. <laughs> that one person I hate.
2: I've never blocked
0: yeah. girls. And I've blocked, blocked boys. And her husband. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's I, – I
2: understand that. Sometimes you just don't want people to be able to see you. But, um, no, so my new friend and I have really gone out of our way to not talk about that because I don't want my friendship with her to be based off of – A bad thing that happened with somebody else, because the reason that I love this new friend of mine is because of who she is. It's completely unrelated to the person that we were traveling with. And she's so special and wonderful that it doesn't need to be centered on something, a, a negative start. And I think, you know, I mean, they do say, like, one of the greatest bonding things is a common enemy. Yeah, so sure. that's what I was going to say. So it could have been such an easy way. I mean, you and I sort of bonded over a common enemy thing, Grace, because we bonded over the common enemy of an ex-boyfriend. Like, yeah. it wasn't, we didn't have yeah. the same one, but it was still that same, like... Imagine life. if
0: we had the same one. That would be weird. <laughs> I
2: don't think you would be best friends now. No. <laughs> also, knowing the two of us, we would never have the same ex-boyfriend. That's true. No. She Ever. hates everyone I date. Everyone. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> at least she's honest. I did say I'm honest, I'm direct. Um, but I don't want I don't want a friendship that I have now to be based off of that type of bonding. I don't think that that's appropriate or what I would want this new friend who's going to be a friend for life. I, yeah. I just know. it's another cool thing about getting older is when you meet somebody that you really like so much, it's on. I mean, we are exclusive. We are in a serious relationship (laughs) committed right away. Um, You can really kind of dive into the friendship and go deep much faster, I think, than you did when you were in your early 20s. Totally. I think that's just a factor of, like, being comfortable and being willing to be vulnerable with people. You know, I'm, I'm much more willing to talk about myself and the things that I've gone through and the heartbreaks that have made me who I am that allow people to connect to me and, and the same, you know, and vice versa. I think other people are more willing to share that. And that just makes it a much more meaningful and a faster paced relationship.
1: Well, wait, I want to talk about the sorority house. Okay. I want to talk more about us. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about I mean, us. We've really gotten out of this equation here. Yeah. And we'd like to be back in it. Um, bring it in, girls. <laughs> bring it in. I what We thought it would be fun to talk about some of the history of the sorority oh, house. Oh, boy.
0: There is <laughs> so much history. It's like Predating I'm kidding
1: like, me. I've only been here for two months. This is like my dream because I'm too old for roommates, mm-hmm. but I have friends that are in the building. Like this morning, Alex and I went and got bagels. You I'm weren't so around. I'm so jealous.
0: I was at the horrible spa. But it's
1: <laughs> but it's so
0: easy to just like text me like, anyone
1: want bagels? I'm I know. Go get Alex a bagel. brought
0: me a bagel like last weekend. It was, it was the very, best r- thing it was ever. Romantic. It's so <laughs> great.
1: Like it's great to have friends yeah. that are like easily accessible when you
0: want them, but like they're not in your space. But far away when yeah. you don't. Like, you can yeah. just turn your phone off, and I'm like, okay, it's introvert time.
2: Or, I mean, the thing is, we're all so close, we can be like, no, don't talk to me anymore. I'm done for the day. Like, I'm an introvert. Yeah.
0: So yeah. And, and yeah. we also will respect that and leave you alone. I won't yeah. text you anymore. But then I'll be jealous because you guys are eating bagels without <laughs> me.
2: Yeah, no, it's great. The sorority house, I, I I I like calling it the sorority house. You brought that in,
0: Becca. It was your term. You, was it? You called it that. Oh. And then... We brought it up at the live show, and then we've get, gotten credit for it. Oh, okay. Alex coined the term sorority house, but
2: I've also I also talk about it that I've unionized the building. Yeah, you have because <laughs> I'm sorry, landlord. I really hope you're not listening because I'm gonna blow I would go. be shocked if our landlord was listening. You never know. I bet Carl's listening. <laughs> Carl is our super <laughs> who's not allowed in my who barely apartment. speaks English. No, no. No, guys, Carl speaks perfect English. Carl is too lazy to speak English that you can understand. Yeah. I will stop him in the middle of one of his rants, and I'll go, "Carl, I just can't understand you." And, all and then of a he'll sudden, perfect. No, all of a sudden, Carl, completely, completely clear. So you just have to man up and say I can't understand you which is uncomfortable. I still think that Carl
1: has very different interests than this podcast. It would yeah. it would very much surprise me if
0: he was a listener. Absolutely. So I guys Carl is our super who is an oaf and is not allowed in our my apartment because every time he comes, he breaks something. Well, so when Carl comes or puts paint, to paint fix on something <laughs> so that shouldn't be painted, the,
2: the rule is when Carl comes to fix something, he breaks three other things in his wake. <laughs> so you have to really think about how much do you want the thing fixed. Oh, I don't want anything fixed. I will try uh, and fix it myself. My before. favorite, I will never forget. So Natalie, who lived in your apartment before yes. you moved in, who's the reason that I found Wait, this can place? You, can yeah. you tell the history? Yeah, absolutely. Um, The history of how I moved in? The history of the sorority house. Okay. So Natalie is actually like the
0: grand mayor of the the sorority. She lives in (laughs) Charleston now. She's our other best friend.
2: Yeah. So, and Natalie was a client of mine who makes jewelry. So this is again, like. I I also fangirled Natalie's jewelry line and Alex set up a. A friend date. Yeah. See, this is it. This is what yeah. I do. Oh my yeah. gosh.
1: I remember how creepy you were about Natalie. I was actually shocked when you became real friends because yeah, you were was so over the top obsessed we with We made like
0: the coolest jewelry together. We made this awesome hot it's so tacky now it's a hot pink tassel necklace it was so big it's not as bad. I as still the have lion it necklace. no it's n- nothing will ever be as bad as the lion necklace <laughs> but yeah it was when it was the age of statement necklaces this was like that's six that's true years ago. that's very true um but look that's
2: another way that you made a friend is yeah. like by being creative and crafting mm-hmm. and just having a fun time with somebody so to anybody looking to make friends why don't you just find an activity that you want to do and invite craft somebody date. to go
0: with you yeah craft date I'm loving this yeah okay Maybe my next party will be a crafts party.
1: Oh, my God. I love that. I'm yeah. so
0: there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm there if you want me to or not.
1: Yeah. Key to
2: your place. <laughs> Creepy. Um, no. So, Natalie, back to what we're saying, who's a fabulous jewelry designer of Holston Lee. Plug Go for buy you. her jewelry. Plug it's for amazing. you, Nat. Um, she lived in the building. And when Natalie and I were friends, I came over to her place. And the apartment was just amazing. It was, And it's totally different than how it looks now, which we'll get to that, because that was when the building almost collapsed. But Natalie had this, like, huge, dramatic two-story living room and this giant couch and a loft, and it was just so artsy and cool, which if you guys look at Natalie's Instagram and follow her, you'll, like, get an immediate sense of her aesthetic. Like, she's just the ultimate, cool, bohemian, amazing girl. Like, style for days. And... I remember walking into her apartment, and I was like, holy shit.
0: I was currently living in a six-floor (laughs) walk-up. I had the same reaction. I was living in a loft studio. Yeah.
2: Oh, your Felicity
0: apartment. Oh, I
2: know. That was a not good apartment. We um, called it
0: the Felicity apartment because I was 32 and living in it, which was fine. But it was the apartment that every college, every girl who's going to college in New York thinks she's going to get. And then she lives in like a one bedroom with like three other girls. <laughs> it was really something. You can
2: get that dream when you're 32. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah guys, just hang hang, just a, hang on. Hold on for one more day, Wilson Phillips, and yeah. you two can have a loft bed My with a ladder where you $2, might die. I know. It was not like, cheap. It
0: was not cheap.
2: And it was found under duress. Mm
0: -hmm, It was. So
2: point being, I came to Natalie's house. I was blown away. And I said, if you ever move out, I want your place. Just put me at the top of the list. I want it. She said, yes. But fun fact, I'm never leaving. So I continue to live in my like roach infested six floor walk up in the East Village, which was the size of my kitchen now. Um, And one day Natalie calls me and she's like, the people above me are moving out. I can hear them moving out. You should move in. Like, I just resigned my lease. You have to be kidding. She's like, get up there, just go see it, whatever. I went to see it, and it was like the door opened, and the angels sang to me. It had these beautiful French doors. It was. Literally five times the size of the apartment that I had at the time, exposed brick, three fireplaces. I mean, it was just, this was a you must get it kind of place. And these, all the apartments in this building are like word of mouth places, as Becca knows. I do. Um, but you, you only get them from people that live here because if she listed them, they would be gone in a second. And so I just took the leap and I said, okay, I'm going to move in. I'm going to do it. And I'm just going to figure out what to do with my lease. That's um, what I
0: did. Thanks to you. While, yeah. I almost didn't move here because I was so scared of breaking my <laughs> lease. I had to pay double rent for a few months, but, but it's, it's worth so it. worth it. It's I totally was worried, it.
2: but breaking my lease was really easy. See, we have like the Goldilocks yeah. and the Three Bears here. Yeah. I just didn't tell my landlord and illegally sublet it for nine months and okay. got got off. Grace, pure, pure heart Pollyanna, was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Do you mind if I break my lease? And they screwed her over and then you got lucky. So, yeah, you're the just right lease. I'm the just right. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so I moved upstairs, loved it. Natalie was downstairs. This was the start of the sorority house. Um, We had this horrible third floor neighbor named Javier who was effectively had set up a shanty town on his floor where he had, I'm not kidding, like eight Airbnb people in and out. It was a disaster. Um, And then the top floor was this girl named Emily who was a jewelry designer and she moved out pretty shortly after that. Um, But... Gosh, how do we start with then the evolution of the building? So, Natalie's unit. Probably with the accident. I was going to say the accident. <laughs> Natalie's unit had suffered some damage when years ago, I would say this this probably was between seven and eight years ago, a truck was driving along the street and this jumped. This
0: is my worst nightmare. This is going to happen to me.
2: And jumped the curb and crashed through the wall of the building. And this is when it was a two-story Was thing. there no fence then? I have no idea.
0: No, I think a stainless steel fence like
2: Carl installed it. It's definitely you could probably like sneeze and knock it over. So (laughs) let's be let's be clear. So whatever it was, the truck shot through, broke through the wall, fell into the apartment, like could have killed Natalie's now husband, Jeff, who was like sleeping and who like slept in a hammock nearby where the crash site was. Um, Oh, my God. So can you imagine waking up from that nap? No, I cannot. (laughs) And, like, there's a truck, and you're like, I'm still asleep. I'm still asleep, and there's, like, you still see the wheels spinning, and there's, like, smoke. Um, Anyway, so that happened, and when they fixed the building, they did so in a very budget-friendly way and didn't really – There's a theme here. (laughs) Yes, didn't do it structurally sound. And what happened was the – It it was like a perfect storm of things. That wall was weak from the truck crashing through. There was a tree that used to be outside that had the roots pushing on the other wall. And then for Natalie's apartment to be the two stories that it was, they had actually dropped the floor below the foundation line, which is structurally very unsound. So those three things together caused one side of the building to be very weak. And it was like visibly bowed outwards. So when you would look at the side of the building, it had like a C curve. (laughs) And Nat and I had these cracks in the ceiling that would just get worse and worse. And we're looking at it. We're like, "That's that can't be good. <laughs> this is definitely, like, we're, we're this this is something to keep track of. And what ended up happening was they were doing some construction across the street. And the buildings department was here to look at that apartment across the street. And they were viewing it from our side of the street. And they looked over at our building and they were like, hold the phone. We've really buried the lead on which building we should be looking at. This one is the real problem. And so then the buildings department got involved and deemed this place um, unsafe for habitation. It was condemned. It was condemned. And we all had to move out for what was told to us as six weeks of construction, um, which turned into six months of construction and the time that I got to tour around the Airbnb scene of Brooklyn looking for a place to live.
0: You were, so Alex was like homeless for, was it six months? (laughs) Six months. Six months of going to Airbnbs and like then trying to sneak in the building to like get like. I was just going to say, I hope that our landlord and Carl aren't listening because you also used to sneak in here. All the time. And get clothes or things that you needed. Well, all of
2: my stuff. So when I had to move out, I took a suitcase of stuff and left and then like. Wasn't technically allowed to come back in, but I was like, six months, like seasons change. Like you've got all my sweaters and I still don't have anything. So yeah. I definitely would sneak in and take things when I needed them. And then I came in, I had like a weird late night party in my bedroom <laughs> with one of my best friends. We mm-hmm. sat on my bed and like drank three bottles of wine and I cried because I was just You looking were also around. going
0: through a breakup during this. I was <laughs> we're gonna talk about breakups and like drama in a little this bit, is, but this was
2: legitimately like the darkest time of my life.
1: <laughs> I think yeah. all of this is to say the sorority house has pros and cons. Pros, great to live nearby friends. Really huge big. Apartments. Huge apartments.
2: Good deal for the You apartment. can
1: paint your floor wallpaper. Do whatever the hell you want. Sure. I'm I'm in the process of replacing all of my lights. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. <laughs>
0: so, you know, you can do anything you want. Cons structurally unsound you might die you might find five cockroaches (laughs) in your bed which alex is that friend yes
2: to anybody that tuned into the the ongoing instagram coverage of roach gate and also i believe it was talked about on the podcast i am the one that had the five roaches in my bed
1: i still have nightmares about that Mm -hmm. yeah you're not alone so you know there's like there's pros and cons yes definitely so nobody feel like don't be jealous yeah Yeah. dbj
2: it is bad it can be real bad in here i mean carl also one of carl's greatest things was when i (laughs) noticed a smell of gas in the lobby and i did my like you were there grace when this Mm -hmm. happened when i called the gas company and just said i smell a leak you know if you smell something say something and they came and deemed that again you know near catastrophic (laughs) levels of gas and so the gas company cut off the gas in my building or in my unit it wasn't in my building too. it was it was for a minute yours was like a shade of bad mine was again a holiday of no heat yeah um,
0: we had there was like a week during the winter where we had no heat
2: yeah i had a month and a half of no heat because they cut <laughs> the gas oh yeah <laughs> it was from before thanksgiving till after christmas you're making me very anxious no don't be you're fine
1: you're in a, you're I, in a great place can i tell you the other thing that makes me very an- anxious
2: the building, two buildings over, is condemned. It's been condemned for since I lived here.
1: Oh, okay. Because so there's worry. also like this rat bait thing in it, and I'm like, oh great. There's I, like, I know. I
0: think about that. I, I live see on the that ground floor, inside. and I've never had a rat. I'm like, Knocking on wood. On We've <laughs> had. I've had. I have had <clears> multiple <throat> ant infestations, and I've had cockroaches, but no. Every time I, I would walk lose by my by mind that building, if there was a rat. I like I'm get not the tell you something. What would Tyrion do with a rat?
2: The rat would eat Tyrion. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Tyrion would hide in abject fear in her closet. Yeah. (laughs) And the rat would come find him. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) That would be the end of your cat. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Sean, who lived in a carriage house before the stranger lives there, um, he had a rat situation.
1: Okay. Let's not not talk talk about about that. Instead, let's take an ad break. So today's other sponsor is Modern Fertility, and Modern Fertility is the first comprehensive fertility and hormone test that you can take at home. It's so funny. We spent our college years and our 20s trying to prevent pregnancy, and now that I'm in my 30s, I have to start thinking about planning for it and if I can become pregnant. So as we wait longer and longer to have children just across the U.S., uh, one in six couples have trouble conceiving. And what you might not know is that most fertility testing is not available to you unless you have been trying to have a child for six months. So for me, I'm single. I don't know if I want to have children. Um, I couldn't just march into my doctor's office and, and get fertility testing. So that's what's so cool about this product. Um, It's the same level of testing that you get in the doctor's office, but you can do it at home. You just do a finger prick and you send in the sample to the lab and the tests return to you in a matter of days. The kit costs $159, which I think is such a good deal considering that most proactive fertility testing is not covered by insurance and can cost thousands of dollars. So, you know, you compare. Um, but this is the exact same level of testing and it's easy because you don't have to go to the doctor's office. So this test can give you a sense of your egg count, expected outcome from IVF or egg freezing, how your hormone levels relate to PCOS, and about your general hormone health. And you also get a one-on-one session with a fertility nurse to answer all of your questions so you don't just have to interpret all of the medical mumbo jumbo by yourself. So I think this company is so cool. It's really giving information that women need to make informed decisions about their reproductive health. If you want to take their fertility quiz and get $20 off your first kit, go to ModernFertility.com backslash B-O-P. So again, take the quiz and get $20 off your first fertility kit at ModernFertility.com backslash B-O-P.
0: And we're back. We're back. We're going to talk about careers. woo
1: Way better than rats. Yes. yes. So you've had a really interesting and cool career path. And I think it would be really fun to walk through that. And can you talk to us about like college till now? Sure. What is this what is
2: this strategy that like manifested in hindsight? That's why I say it's the accidental strategist. Um thank you for the compliment on my career, by the way. That means a lot. Because I think you guys are both really amazing, successful women. So thank you. That's why we love each other. It's true. We're all so
0: smart. We're
2: <laughs> just so smart and successful. Um so I, when I graduated from college, I was going to be a lawyer. That's what my dad too. wanted. Oh. Where'd you go to college? I, went I to I was going to be president,
0: so I don't know about you guys. Oh, oh well, there's wow. still hope,
2: yeah. <laughs> judging by how things are going.
0: Honestly, oh. Grace, take anyone. Yeah, yeah. please.
2: <laughs> Grace Atwood for 2020.
0: <laughs> That's oh. so true. Oh, Get God. on The Rock's
2: ticket. Yeah. Please.
0: Oh, my gosh. Oh. The Rock plus Grace Atwood. <laughs> His name is
1: Dwayne Johnson, Grace. Sorry. Talk to him with respect. He's our future
2: president. Please speak to our future president (laughs) with the respect that he deserves. Um, So I was going to be a lawyer. I went to UVA to answer your question. And... I went to work in a law firm in Washington D.C. I majored in Spanish, which no one understood why again. I minored in Spanish literature.
1: Oh. A very useless. You? What was your minor? major? Was it
2: government and politics? Uh, it was international relations, oh, something I use every day. A cousin, a cousin of the, sure. of the one that I had, so that was my minor. Was oh, great. international relations and government because yep. I was going to be a politician. I right. was going to join the for- the foreign service, which is hilarious if anyone knows me because I could never be a politician <laughs> <laughs> with what's just in the internet about me um not that there's something that i'm not hiding a sex tape i would be much more famous if
0: i was but i just mean i'm like what's on the internet about you <laughs> this is my best friend quick, friends quick google like alex you talk grace and i are gonna google
1: <laughs> no that's okay
2: um they're just the accountability of being a politician i think is very very scary for me um anyway was working at a law firm didn't like it had a terrible breakup with my college boyfriend, who's a piece of, piece of crap, and had a, the first of my major, what does it all mean, moments, and moved from DC to New York without a job, um, to intern for a PR firm during Fashion Week. And this is when Fashion Week was in its heyday, because this was, what, 02? I mean, It was in Bryant Park. It was the thing that everybody sort of thinks of when they think of Fashion Week. And my college roommate had said, the PR firm that reps the company I work for needs an intern. Why don't you just come up and meet everybody, see what you can do? And I mean, the thought of working in fashion in New York, it was like stars in my eyes. I needed to reinvent myself. Let's go and do this. So I moved to New York with nothing but an internship and the hopes of making it work and I loved it. It was like event planning has been in my blood since I was a child. I, my mom She's so
0: good at it. Oh, if you, you get invited to a party thrown by Alex, go, <laughs> I liked to. I try to make
2: them fun. I yeah. think sometimes people forget that events are really supposed to be a fun time for people to relax and like cut loose. Yeah. Um, so I try to do parties that don't have too much of like a sponsored agenda. I mean, there's always yeah. something. And if you yeah. do it professionally, you're always doing it for an advertiser or a client of some sort. But at the end of the day, make it something people want to come and do. But, um, I the PR firm that I interned for ended up hiring me. They said, "Oh my gosh, we love you. You're great. We have an opening come and work for us." And it was the chance of a lifetime and I'm so lucky because I mean, they were offering me a, a salary of $24,000. <laughs>
1: I feel like this was also like the day when like Kelly Catrone was a thing yes. and like the Hills or yeah. um not the Hills, but um
2: the, the spin-off. City. the city, the yeah. city,
1: the city came later. Oh, it came later. Yeah, that was but a I feel like later. working in PR was
2: like. Oh, it was cool and glam, oh, and yeah. it was amazing. It's still
1: cool and glam. It is, but like there was a heyday where there were like so many TV shows yeah. about.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, no. And like Samantha Actually, Jones and Sex in the City was the yes, publicist. absolutely. Okay, so
2: the Hills and those shows had not come out yet, and there's okay. a reason that I know this, and it's because I was almost on a reality show. Do you know this? No. You know this. This is how.
0: I do, but I forget. This is how Lisa and I met. That's right. Lisa being Lisa from Lulufra.
2: Yeah, this is how we met. That's right. Um, Oh, my God. So HBO was casting a reality show. And at this time, the only real big reality show had been The Real World on MTV, which is a different concept. So they were casting this reality show of real life sex in the city. And it was going to be called Gotham Girls. And they wanted to find somebody that was an art, you know, real life Samantha Jones. Well, yes. We're just going to jump right ahead. to oh, sorry. <laughs> Who I was cast as? Um, oh my god! So they picked the different characters, and they were looking for real women that were doing that. And so they were auditioning different groups of women, and my group had Lisa, who was a designer. So she was. She was the, the like, carry. It wasn't so direct of like you're the carry, you're the Samantha. I want you're the clean Charlotte. buckets. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> so it wasn't a direct one to one. But it was a young designer working in fashion. It was a beautiful girl that worked in finance and was, you know, like a, a pretty the girl Miranda. in a man's The Miranda. <laughs> pretty girl in a man's world. Um, there was the party planner and dater extraordinaire, me. Um, and then there were a few others that were in the group. It wasn't four to four. So that's why it's not so direct. And so HBO followed us around and filmed oh, a pilot. Oh, it filmed? Oh, they filmed a pilot of my group of friends. So they had – they narrowed it down to two groups at the end and – They really wanted to do our group. So Amy Harris, who's one of the major writers for Sex and the City, she was involved in this project, Um, which is so cool that I got to, like, meet her and hang out with her and do all of this. Um, They really – they told me they really wanted to do our group. But we got a contract when they had said they wanted to move forward with us that was ridiculous. They wanted to pay us $5,000 for the entire project, and they would
0: have all rights to our – $5,000 each or $5,000? Each. Okay. Still, I mean, that's terrible.
2: And they would have rights to our voice, likeness, and whatever else for perpetuity. Cool. For $5,000. I remember taking the contract to an entertainment lawyer and she was like, no, (laughs) you just don't sign this. And right around the time that we got the contract, we also got the briefs on what they would be doing for us. Like, you know, what... what role we would be playing. And it was, you know, Lisa is this very cool emerging designer making her name in fashion. And Megan is a beautiful girl working in a man's world. And we're gonna explore the ins and outs of dating and nightlife with Alex. And I was like, oh no. Like No no. No no. (laughs) Because this was also when I was at my most slutty in New York. Like You're like, I don't need everyone to make out bandit. Like To be clear, I wasn't sleeping with everyone, but there was not a night that I went out that I did not try to make out to my hardest. Sure. Yeah. I I realized that I had parents that were alive, and I didn't need to put that out on television. So Nancy would have had a heart attack. So not only was the contract bad, but also the – opportunity seemed a little scandalous for me yeah. and so we said no our group said no they ended up working with another group which one of the girls that was in that group had been in my sorority in college and oh. had cheated my boyfriend had cheated on me with her did anyone from the other group would I know who any of them are I don't think so. Okay. I don't think. Uh, well, so anyway, they filmed, they, they went forward with that. The show never aired because uh-huh. at the time, the president of HBO got into a scandal. I think he punched his girlfriend in Las Vegas or something. Oh, and wow. this was one of his pet projects and it got canned. So it never mm. went out. So even if I had said yes... I would not have been Lauren Conrad, unfortunately.
1: Okay, wait. So back to your <laughs> career path. Sorry, I'm, I'm so no, like I that was a that detour was so worth it. It was totally worth <laughs> it. So worth it. Okay. But well, but the so point, we're wait, working one thing in PR. is
2: I got to be really good friends with some of the girls that were in my group that I had not met before. Got it. So that was very fun. Anyway, back to you, the career question.
1: No, no, no. I I'm throwing it back to you. Oh. So like you're you were going to be a lawyer, didn't work out. You're working in PR. Yep. You were maybe going to take a
2: detour in a reality show, didn't work out. Living that glamorous fast life. Making out. Making out. Yes, having a great time. Um, and I wanted to move to L.A. So I had okay. been here for a few years. I had that New York itch um, and was ready to go explore somewhere else. Also had these dreams of being a screenwriter, which is really sure. funny. Um, so I thought, I'll move to L.A. Yeah. And one time I lost my job does. and bought a book about screenwriting. And that's about as
1: far as I got into that itch. I wrote one. I wrote oh, a spec wow. for The Office. Oh, yeah.
2: Um, but I moved to
0: Bethel L.A. wrote a sequel the other day for The Idea of You.
2: No, I didn't. But, like, don't threaten me with a good time. Robin Lee, you write that book. Yeah, come on. We all want it. Robin, I don't know you, but please, hear a girl out. If you don't, I will. Yeah. And I will do a worse job. <laughs> I will love another trash book. Um, so, anyway, I made... I. I made my way out to L.A. I didn't want to move with no job. um, So I convinced the boss of the PR firm where I was working at the time, to open up a West Coast office and that I would be the person that would run it. And she fell for it. Bless you. Thank you. Um, So I moved out to L.A., was running her West Coast office and sort of realized if I can run someone's office, I can maybe run my own office and had the second of my big what does it all mean moments and left that job and... I left the job because I wanted to do more than PR. I saw how much the industry was changing. Influencers were becoming a big force to reckon with. Brands needed more than just day-to-day PR. The old school model of like pitching something to a magazine and waiting to see a placement was not happening for emerging designers. And I wasn't repping brands that had huge advertising budgets and things that could actually make them a compelling feature for a magazine. Um, I mean, they had talent and they had cool product, but they weren't, a big name you know we were really fighting for dwindling opportunities for actual editorial so i knew that the clients that i had the best relationship with and that i felt the most success with were those that i could advise on things more than just pr it was what's your event strategy what's your influencer strategy what's your distribution hey how's your pricing who are your competitors like all of that like lulu frost is a great example of this um That Lisa and I were very close, and so she let me in on a lot of different parts of her business. And that was such a cool experience for me. And that was when we could really work together to create these very cool moments that were PR, but you needed to know so many different levers that had to be pulled to get to that moment. And so I knew that I didn't have the training for all of that and to really advise people on things that were more than just, hey, here's how you pitch Vogue. Um, So that was when I decided to apply to business school because – I knew that that would be a place that I could get more formal training for advising businesses on bigger parts. And so as I was applying to business school, I had left the PR firm where I was working. I was applying to business school, which takes some time. Like I had to take the GMAT, I had to study for that, I had to figure out what school I was going to go to, all that. I took on all of these freelance projects of so I mean a girl's got to eat. <laughs> so um took on a bunch of freelance projects, suddenly had like seven freelance PR gigs. And everybody, all the editors were like, you have a PR firm. I was like, over my dead body, I would never have a PR firm. The women that run those are crazy. I'm not as crazy as they are. Um, So no, thank you. But eventually, I realized that that was sort of what I had built. And that if I had my own thing, and I had enough people that trusted me to be my client, which is – I mean, I'm so thankful for that, that I could open up a shop and then add services to that as I was going to business school and, like, learning the things that I wanted to learn. And it was, like, the greatest chance to choose the clients that you work with. I mean, one hard part of working in an agency is – The owner may go out and pitch a really bad client that has a lot of money and then she dumps it on you and is like, make magic happen. And you're like, this is a backpack that sold in Office Depot. I am your luxury (laughs) accessories director. Where does that reconcile? So it was a chance for me to make my own portfolio work with people that I believed in and then also add services. So wait, so let's rewind for a second.
1: This is a question we've gotten before and we've never answered because Grace and I don't have the experience to answer it.
2: Business school. Going to business school. Worth it? Not
0: worth it. Best thing I ever did. Um, Why?
2: Number one, one of my main core values is I believe that education is the most important thing that a person can have.
0: Well, that's, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but you're taking a digital marketing class right now. I didn't know that. Yeah, Yeah, I wish I knew because I want to take it. It's amazing. I'll share the materials with you. Don't listen to General Assembly. Um, (laughs) No, I want
2: it. So from the time that I was a child, um, my mother has always said education is something no one can ever take away from you. And that, I remember when she said it, it stuck with me. And I'm somebody – my mom and I went through some really hard times financially when my dad left and some of the things that happened that – I am very aware that where you are financially can change in an instant and it can happen because of a recession. You can lose your job. You could go through a divorce. Your dad could leave you like it could an illness could happen in the family and you have to go and redo everything. It's so important to have something that you can fall back on that can be beneficial for you professionally. And to me, that's what education is. Um, or that's a means to get there is if I have a skill set that is honed and that I have received certification for, or it's, you know, some sort of valuable institution or program or whatever, you're never going to be able to take that out of my brain unless you kill me. And then I won't have to worry about money anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> dark, that that turned, dark, dark in the menagerie. <laughs> um, no, so business school was absolutely worth it. um, It was not only a place that I made some really amazing friends, and I have a very cool network of people that are doing everything. I mean, because in business school, you have a huge cross-section of people. You have engineers, accountants. PR people. Well, no, I was the one PR person. I was going to say, I don't
0: think that's like super common. I was
2: yeah. 100% the El Woods candidate that they took, that they were like, who is this blonde idiot that kind of bounced in? It was like, I do fashion PR. Wait,
1: <laughs> how old were you when you went to business school? So I was
2: old compared to yeah. the class. I was 30. OK. Um, and most of the class was probably in their mid to late 20s. Yep. Um, so I was a little older and I had a very cool experience with that because I had more work experience and life experience going into it, which I would say is p- it, wait until you have some years and some real experiences and questions about how things work to go into it because it will be – it was more meaningful for me, I think, because I was able to actually bring more from my professional background into the classroom. And I was able to workshop things. And I was like, wait, I saw a client have this problem. What would you do? And you're getting yeah. to sit there and workshop it with like, these brilliant teachers and board members. And it's very, very cool. So um, it's definitely, I mean, I'm still paying my student loan. <laughs> so it's still there. And I remember every month about business school. But it helped me professionally in that I uh, obviously have a skill set that's a, at a master's level, air quotes. Um, I... Also, just have a lot more confidence after having gone to school. Um, And I have a very cool network. Yeah. So do it. It's great. Okay. What about
1: changing careers mid career? Or not, you haven't changed, but you've definitely pivoted quite a bit. Yeah. And that is something we get a ton of questions from people who are like, well, a lot of them are like 26. And they're like, is it
0: too late to change?
1: You're like, I know. I love the
0: good. 25-year-olds. You're like, fine. How can I change careers? I'm yeah. like, you're so young. Yeah, you're so young. But but at, you, when, when you're last...
2: 25, you're, it feels really serious. It no, does exactly. feel really I, I take that very seriously. Yes. And
1: to those people, I say, calm down. It will be fine. Change your career. Do what you want to yeah. do. Find your bliss. But you've made this decision in the past few years. because <laughs> yes, I've pivoted it. in my late 30s. Yeah, <laughs> And I think that's really interesting. I want to talk about mm-hmm.
2: that. No, yeah, we've had people who common. are in
0: their 50s who have pivoted recently.
1: I think you
2: can always look, look do at Linda it. Wells. Sure. I mean, there's there's always a chance for reinvention. Yeah. And I think that's one of the coolest things about life is that no matter where you think you are and what you're doing, you could be in a different place in a year. Okay, so so tell us what your pivot has been. So my pivot has been...
1: Well, I mean, tell them. We know. But.
2: <laughs> my pivot has been addressing what I spoke about a, a minute ago with... The fact that PR has changed so dramatically and that they're just, I mean, there's one third of the magazine titles that there used to be. So there's much less opportunity for people to be featured there. And then the pages of those magazines are so heavily paid for. And it may not be a direct advertisement, but trust me, everybody is scratching everybody's back. And I understand that. I actually don't criticize it. I understand the magazine needs to stay in business. It's going to support people that are helping them do that. Period. Makes sense. But when you're somebody that doesn't work for a major advertiser, what do you do? So I have really pivoted into something that's much more – less traditional PR, more strategic planning for clients to, number one, educate them about what's going on in the industry. A lot of people don't know, and I have access to that because I work with editors. I know publishers. Like, I really can find out what the trends are in media. And helping advise people – that are designers or that want placements or that want to find a conversion. It's not just placements. It's also teaching them like, okay, you might want to be on the cover of Vogue, but you won't sell a single item from that. But if you get a pair of sandals in Florida Walking Magazine, you're going to sell out. Like, it's, it's, it's putting it into realistic context for people, giving them a good strategy, but then also helping them create the content that people want to write about. So the influencer game is huge. Yeah. I mean, it, it's that is the new PR.
0: And is, even that's a wild, wild west because you have mm-hmm. people like you know, like look at like Schaefer, like from Pinterest Told Me To, who sells, you know, five hundred thousand dollars in product yeah. a month. But you look at her blog and it's like terrible. You would never yeah, know that. You'd never know it. Yeah. So but then you look at somebody who has maybe a million Instagram followers and doesn't convert.
2: Yeah. And so, so it's knowing
0: that and putting yeah. together a strategy where somebody
2: and, and putting together a portfolio of placements that will convert to sales or awareness or whatever whatever the big marketing objective is and what's going to really help somebody. Like, is it working with somebody like you, Grace, who – I mean, Grace's conversion is ridiculous to all brands listening to this. She's the best. So I'm
0: the best. <laughs> you
2: are. <laughs> but, you know, working with somebody like you who's not necessarily like – high fashion you know you
0: you definitely what are you talking about I am such high fashion I'm sitting here in a Banana Republic sweater with sweatpants and no makeup and a frizzy side pony she's pretty fashion right now I'm high
1: fashion
2: to be clear that's not what I mean I I just mean
0: you look at you and
2: you're somebody that your blog's point is to be relatable and accessible whereas other people are creating content that's totally aspirational that's amazing I mean yeah like look at Crystal who's one of my very good friends swanning around in like a movie set in, and a Carolyn Herrera, Herrera dress. dresses is absolutely. I mean, if Crystal were one of the say Crystal wears one of my clients, the end result of that is going to be a showpiece for that client to be like a beautiful. Look photo at this they can art. repurpose. If my clients on your blog, they the might thing not want to use the photo. Like, no, that is absolutely <laughs> not true. But the way that you feature it and how your audience is going to react, they're going to buy it. But that's also depends on like the price yeah, of my the client. Like, there's a, there's a lot of yeah. You my give new the, details, the, but.
0: costume jewelry to Crystal. Give me the hundred one. Exactly. But how
2: do I tell clients that? How do I help them
0: with that? That's where the business is really pivoted is to going into that layered
2: step before to give them the tools for success so that they can then hopefully obtain their objective. Yeah. And then also it's event planning. I do that in a much more formal way because even though PR has changed, people still want to have parties. I mean, there's launch parties, there's fashion shows, there's reasons to do it. And
0: I am so happy to be the person that gets to do that. And fancy dinners. So if you guys see me at fancy parties on Instagram and are like, how did she get invited? Chances are it's one of Alex's (laughs) parties. You're my favorite guest. It's
2: true. Um, But I've been able to pivot away without having to take an actual stop break of, oh my gosh, I don't have income. I'm not doing anything. I have to totally start from scratch. And what am I going to do this month? Um, I've been able to just take the projects I have and morph them into a bit of a different end result for the clients and for me. And it's really awesome. I feel so lucky to have done that because I don't feel, I was really stressed out about PR because it's so hard. It's just so competitive in the market and, it's not what I, it, it was not bringing me pleasure every day. And I'm not saying that what you do has to make you happy every single day, but you have to feel good about what you're doing in the some overall. way. Yeah. You know, And I think when I was just doing PR, it felt a little soulless yeah. in a lot of ways. And I wanted to really nurture, I, I like nurturing clients and I like being a part of their success. And so I'm now working with the tools that can really do that.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, Thanks. And I'm taking a digital marketing class now.
0: Clearly I need to know about yeah. that. Yeah. Wait, can we completely switch gears? Absolutely. We're going to talk about relationships. Oh, it's going to get dicey. So we're going to talk about relationships. Alex, you have been through <laughs> You have been through a lot the past few years I've been here with you, sometimes living below you, sometimes living across the river. But I want to talk about A certain person. We don't have to talk about him. We hate. I hate him. I (laughs) rue the day that he was born. We want to talk about the situation. The situation. So you had a long distance boyfriend. Mm -hmm. You went from dating to a fiance visa to breaking up to getting back together to a cheating scandal. Wait, no, there was an engagement (laughs) in there. There was an engagement. engagement. There was an (laughs) engagement, engagement, and then there was a cheating scandal. I want you to just – just let's talk about this. Yeah.
2: So I dated a French man and met him when he moved to New York. I met him like – It's the best time to get them. Yeah, definitely. Like I've thought about setting up a dating service and just <laughs> standing outside of the arrivals at JFK for International. And I'm like, do you like blondes? Like hop in the sand. Like I can introduce <laughs> you to them. Um, met him a week into moving into New York. We started dating. He was younger – he was definitely like here to experience all kinds of different things. I was totally resistant to that and just was like, Nope, you're going to date me. You're going to date me. Um, And our relationship was built off of that. So spoiler alert, it didn't work out. Um, So, but that's so much easier to
1: see in hindsight. Absolutely. Oh yeah. I
2: could not have told you that at the time. You were not like this relationship is on rocky ground. No, but, um, yeah, so we dated for about a year and a half and then his visa expired and he moved back to France, but we did that. He moved back with the intention that we were going to get a fiance visa or that he was going to find a job that had another visa that could get him here. Um, Neither one of those. How did that happen? He didn't even get – he never even got the fiancé visa. We broke up. He didn't.
0: You had the lawyer.
2: We had the lawyer. We had the whole thing. We broke up because the fiancé visa was proving to be, like, challenging. We were on the rocks. Long distance was hard. Whatever. So we broke up. And I have a rule that when I break up with somebody, they are dead to me. I, me too. I cut them off of everything.
1: I don't do that. We are not I friends. Try and be friends, and then I I'm know. always fucked. Yeah. Grace has her like menagerie
2: of ex boyfriends. <laughs> she
0: certainly <surely> does. <laughs> We're using that word again. It's a good one. Yeah. Um.
2: But I I have like a no contact rule. I think it's the best way for me to get over people. And when we break up, it's really about me. It's not about them anymore. It's about what do I need to do to heal. So I like cut him out of my life all the way. Buried it deep inside and then six months later got rip shit drunk at a holiday party and rode the subway home and Wait, can unleashed- I tell them what you
0: did? Yes, you can. I, so I'm in Mexico on a press trip oh, and God. like just like serene as hell. Like it had been like one. it was the, over the holidays. So I was like really busy with sponsored projects. And I took this this trip to Mexico that was like my little like respite from all of that. And I wake up. And Alex has sent the meanest email I've ever seen in my life to him and copied myself and our other two best friends. Mm-hmm. Like, just, like, not copied, BCC'd. Copied, copied. Not BCC'd. And intentional. And was it was like, not a mistake. I, I remember, was like,
2: fuck! I woke up to text messages from you that was like, did you know what you
0: did? <laughs> did you know that I was copied? Did you know that I was copied? I'm like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was like, I just wanted him to know that we all hate him and that he can't come back here because yeah. he has four women who hate, who hate him. him
2: and will, like, wait for him outside of customs at JFK with, like, torches. <laughs> so I had the, like, verbal uh, just murder of him to that email. And he wrote back. And wrote me the most exquisite love letter. He did not
0: write it. He had a ghostwriter. He,
2: he 100% had a ghostwriter. But at the time... <laughs> He's not smart, smart enough to emoji write that. The hearts in my eyes. He had a ghostwriter. Um, we don't know who. Sent me a beautiful love letter in return that was... Quite literally the most lovely thing anybody has ever sent to me. And I just had this moment of, like, redemption. Oh, my God, this is amazing. And long story short, we ended up getting back together. In the letter, he said, I have missed you since the day we broke up. I, I still see drink you. out of the
0: cat cup you gave me. Oh, my God, that was really the embarrassing. Cat cup. It uh, was really pathetic and sad and really beautifully written. Yeah. It was I would lovely. have gotten back together with ah, him. Anybody.
2: I mean, that's the best. Anyone. It's an amazing would. letter. So... Um, we spoke. He came to visit. We got back together. And the, one of the reasons we had broken up before was we needed to either get married and make this happen or not. But we were uncomfortable with the fiancé visa for papers concept. So that sort of like drove a wedge in. And this – so when we got back together, it was very clear and discussed up front that we this needed to be moving towards marriage. For real, because if we're going to be together, and this is, you know, this year point, we've been together two and a half years off and on. um, So we needed to be on that track. So it was known that when we got back together that the altar was soon. And we got engaged um, several months later after what felt like a really beautiful change in the relationship. I thought that the problems that we had had before were gone, that... Communication was open, and that we had really talked about the hard things. And he's still living in Paris during this. He is, yeah, yes. Um, and the plan was I was going to move to France to be with him, which I was willing to do. You were and- going to live in rural France? No, 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 no. This is why we broke up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to go to live in Paris. As we, after we were engaged, it became clear to me very quickly that he was going to try to move me to his, like, armpit of a hometown, like, in the middle of nowhere. And I had said from the beginning, if we get back together, I'm not living in your hometown. I, it's not for me. There's, like, not even – you can't even buy clothes there. It's like a bread factory in an apple orchard. Like, no. <laughs> lovely for visits, but yeah. – It's lovely to drive through not yeah. lovely to live your life. Then. You drive through it in two minutes, yeah. and you did that. It was great. So – the, I saw very quickly that that was where my life was actually heading, which created some, like, nerves and tension on my end. Um, but I didn't have to deal with that because he took the liberty of getting really drunk one night and sleeping with someone else and told me a week later, after having acted really weird for about a week, I, like, put, like, the girlfriend interrogation light it's on him. It intu- was, like, it's,
0: it's yeah. intuition you knew. I knew. And I was like, no, no, it's fine. I like, knew. And I was like, yeah. no, guys, this is something is off. Yeah. And
2: I remember, I mean, this to add insult to injury, we broke up on Skype because he was in France at the time. And I just said, what is going on? You have been different for about a week. I don't understand. I love you. Let's work through this. And he said, this is the hardest thing I'll ever have to say. I got really drunk on Friday and I slept with someone. And I took two deep breaths and I said, did you do that because you were scared? And this is something we can work through? Or did you do that because you don't want to be with me and that was the best way for you to get out of it? And he said it was the second. And so that was I, – I then said, I need some time to process this. I don't want to react to your face right now on Skype. Can we talk in a day or two once I've had some time to think about things? And we hung up and I thought about things. And I just knew, I mean – Number one, he wasn't begging for forgiveness and wasn't trying to get me back. I'll be very upfront about that. Um, But I knew that that was not something that we could ever rebuild from. And so I knew that we had to break up. And that's what I did. So, I mean, that's obviously a very tough situation <laughs> it was not easy. like with
1: your hindsight goggles is there anything that you learned from that or like took away from it
2: oh i mean i'm entirely i'm entirely who i am today because of all of that and i am so happy that it happened it's really the best thing that ever happened in my life and for anybody that's ever going through a breakup And anytime I'm going through any sort of emotional hardship with a friend or a boyfriend, I go back to this and I look at it and I say, that was the worst thing I had ever felt and I am so much better now. So I know that when I'm going through hard times with other things to a lesser degree, it will be better. And it's something that brings me peace and it brings me a sense of calmness when I might be panicking about a guy I'm dating or if I'm having tension with a friend and I say, you know what? I got through that that breakup with my fiance. I can get through anything. Um As far as the takeaway, my biggest takeaway, and this goes for friendships, this goes for relationships, it goes for work. If you're worried about something and you sense something, trust your gut and talk about it. Don't hide it. Don't try to like passively ask around it. I'm not saying you have to go into a situation and be a bulldozer, but if – I'm having tension or I'm sensing tension with somebody, I'm going to bring it up and just say, what's wrong? I feel like your tone is short with me or I, f- I feel frustrated with this situation and I'm going to bring it up and ask because I lived in this world where I didn't – I knew that there were problems, but I didn't address them because I thought just give it some time. Don't push him. That's scary or don't push this issue because that could drive him away. You know what? That issue is going to drive him away eventually, no matter what. I would so much rather have had the confidence to push early and to have found out that he was not really ever going to be the person that I needed, and had dealt with it then. And I that and that's something that I can apply to all my past relationships. I was always somebody that, as direct as I am in friendships, I was not direct in relationships, and because I was always worried about you know I wanted to like keep the man there, you know, high daddy issues, but like I. We'll never do that again. If I have a fear or a doubt or anything, I will talk to that person about it in a constructive and open way, not an accusatory way, but to really allow somebody to tell you where they are and where they see themselves going is the only way to have a relationship. So I will ask the questions that make people scared when they're dating somebody Are we exclusive? Where do you see us going? You know, anything like that. And I think a lot of girls, I'm I'm just going to say girls because that's all I can speak to. I think a lot of girls are scared to do that, especially when they're starting to date somebody new because, oh my God, I don't want to like make him feel pressured. And that's so scary. What if he
0: doesn't say the right thing? And then what do I do? Find out. I feel like that's one of the reasons I love you up so much that podcast because Jared talks about Mm -hmm. that. He's like, guys, aren't these like fragile creatures that are going to be scared away because you had a, you asked a hard question. Like, and if they are. Bye. Yeah. He's going to be scared of he's, everything. If he's scared, it means he doesn't like you. It's true. Yeah. So better to find out by just asking the question. Just ask the question. Yeah. So So you're back in the dating game. I am But definitely. you're in a
1: relationship
0: right now. Yes. So I have a boyfriend.
1: But I'm curious. He's very cute. Oh, thanks.
0: I'm curious what is different. About- i got to stop saying people's boyfriends are cute because I was like, Cassandra's fiance is hot. <laughs> he and, is. Hello. And he listened to the episode and I felt like such a creep. Nick is a dreamboat. He Come is. on. We all love the face of an angel.
1: Yes. Um, But wait, I'm curious, what is different about dating at 40
2: than at 30? (laughs) Everything. (laughs) Um, It moves a lot faster when you really find somebody that you like and connect with um, because I don't have time to waste. I don't have time to suffer fools if a guy is going to be running around or, you know, just not committing in a way that I want to. It doesn't mean that, like, every guy I go out with needs to be my husband. Like, I'm the same way. Like, I very clearly recognize who people are and, like, who they're, what role they're going to play in my, like, social life. It's um, more direct and it's more honest and it's a lot more vulnerable and meaningful now. I won't go out on five dates with somebody that I don't see a future with. What about the dating pool though? Oh, yes, that's very different. Um I've had to relax some of my like previous standards on things like dating men with children. And have you relaxed that because you were they were like arbitrary or because like that's what the options are? It's that's what a lot of what the options yeah. are, but not just like okay, fine, I'll throw in the towel, but I kind of came to this realization Okay, one thing. I don't I don't want to have kids. I am somebody that's very comfortable in that. I have known that for a very long time. I have suffered the societal pressures of that and I'm very comfortable to say I don't want them. That said, I was not very open to dating men with children. And I'm 40 now and my dating pool were men, you know, in their late 30s to like upper 40s. And what I realized is that a lot of men that don't have children or haven't been in a situation to commit to somebody before this, if they haven't done that before now, they might be a confirmed bachelor. And that's bad. You don't want to date a confirmed bachelor. This is
0: my problem. Yes, (laughs) Grace. We're going to (laughs) just...
2: We're not... He who shall not be named... It's your episode, not hers. ...will will remain unnamed. But I found that men that hadn't been engaged or hadn't lived with somebody or hadn't been married and had a child or whatever, and the child is like such a small portion of that, but the guys that hadn't been there don't want to go there ever.
0: Mm-hmm. And I don't
2: yeah. want to have kids for my own reasons. It's not because I don't want commitment and lifelong partnership and I'm not willing to compromise. It's none of those things. But a lot of the men that haven't gone through those phases, I mean, I've been engaged. I've lived with guys. I've done all that. Like I I've shown that I can go there. If a guy hasn't done any of those things, don't date him at 40. If, if that's what you want. Now, if you want to just like hang out with somebody and like have your heart broken every Saturday, Go for it. But that's – I looked right at Grace when I said that.
0: Um, <laughs> wow. Well, just kidding. Just kidding. I will have you know the last person I dated wanted children was and was lovely. It just didn't work out probably because he wanted all of the, <laughs> all of that commitment and I wasn't ready to give it. No. No, but the point is I've
2: definitely had to like change some of those things and I'm very glad that I have because it's allowed me to meet a different kind of guy. And I have to say I really think that before my – My my last relationship, the engagement, everybody else before, I wasn't really ready. And I thought I was. And it took going through that breakup and really getting to know myself after that breakup because I really committed to that. And Grace, you can attest, like Mm -hmm. when we broke up, I did not date anybody because I wanted to get to know me and why that had happened and why I had gotten into that situation. And I did that. And I feel like a different person and I feel so happy and I really was setting myself up for failure with the men I was choosing and I can say that. It was me. I take full responsibility for that and I'm now in a place that I think I'm much more open to the right guy who could commit to me and thus I'm willing to lighten up on some of the silly things that I wasn't willing to deal with before.
0: I think that is such good advice. So,
2: yeah. and And – I think I've read I it was the create the love, which is this Instagram account that I love that I think I told you about where they just they give great
0: I don't really, think you've told me about this. Oh, it's one. amazing. It's I'm like gonna, very
2: earnest advice, whereas like yeah. the you up and those guys like it's snarky and it's funny and it's so poignant, but this is like real earnest like love advice. You need a little mix of both. Yeah. Um I don't even know if it was on that one, but it's a good thing to follow. If somebody said, did you ever notice that when a couple breaks up because somebody cheated, the cheater immediately has a new boyfriend or girlfriend, but the one that was cheated on takes time to think about it and like really reflect and fix themselves before they do that. And it really stuck with me. And I'm not saying everybody does that, but it was that moment of being like, yeah, after a breakup – I take it really personally in the way that I'm like, what did I do to get here? What did I do to choose that person? What did I do to end up in this relationship in the way that didn't work? And not everything is going to be life-changing and there's not going to be some massive realization. But I think self-reflection when you break up is so important and so awesome because that's like a total fertile ground for figuring out changes that you can make and growth that you can make. So. I really believe that and, and that goes for a friendship, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whatever. Like think about why a relationship isn't working for you and what did you what are you doing to that? What doesn't work and like what can you learn from it to move on?
1: Alex, that is this has been amazing. Thank you. It's really fun to do this with real friends. I, say, I Usually know we it's make so people fun. be our friends after, but very few yeah. people come in being our friends
0: before. Yeah, you guys are really yeah. like,
2: taking over the world with your friendship circle. We we yeah, really we are. are
0: building a great group. I'm
2: a
1: little jealous yeah. you're but I have to your grandfather <laughs> in
2: your grandfather in thank you well yeah. as the sorority house leader yeah. i feel like that's really yeah important you're part of that it i'm part of it but i want to say thank you guys it really meant a lot when you asked me to be on the podcast because i've Aww. been a supporter and somebody that's known about it since it was uh, named something else in fact and sure. it's been yeah. uh so awesome to watch you guys grow and succeed and i felt so special when you asked me to be on it so
0: we loved thanks. having you this is one of my favorite
1: episodes Yeah, ever. no, everyone gets the inside scoop until like our other friends people think like grace and I are,
0: they don't are think only we have two other friends. friends yeah it's just us <laughs> they just think
2: yeah not it's true. very funny it's not true so, guys they yeah. have a lot of friends all their guests to their friends <laughs> and <laughs> that's other people that's afterwards <laughs> other
0: people you don't even know about we sure. have lives outside the podcast they do I can attest yeah. they totally sometimes. do sometimes. sometimes
2: but at the end of the day you always come back to the house yeah yeah you gotta come and home at night the sorority house is always here yeah
0: all right. Cool. cool. Thanks, everybody. Okay. So we've talked about a lot today, but let's get back to us. I have more things to say. Becca, what
1: are you obsessed with right now? Okay. You may have seen this on Instagram if you follow me, but I got a luggage stand for my apartment.
0: Mine came in the mail today. I'm I was so influenced by her.
1: Excited. So I've been redoing my apartment. I have new furniture. I have a new white rug in my bedroom. I I don't want to put the suitcase on the bed because that's disgusting. I used to have a chair in my bedroom that I didn't actually sit in that I didn't mind putting the suitcase on. It was kind of just like the holding chair mm-hmm. of stuff. So I would put the suitcase there. But now with my new apartment, I was like, oh, there's nowhere to put the suitcase. I have to put it on the floor. Last time I was packing for something, like my back was weird. So I was like, I don't want to bend over. I yeah. was like, I want a luggage stand. So I got one. Uh, Mine is just from Bed Bath & Beyond. If you are looking to get one, there's nothing special about mine. I just Googled it and picked the one that was the color slash finish that I liked. Um, It was really cheap. It was like $35, but there's plenty of options if you go on Amazon. I'm not talking about my specific luggage stand. I'm just talking about the concept of an at-home luggage stand. Yes. I'm amped. I can't wait. I'm packing tonight because I'm going to Seattle Although I guess when this airs, I'll just gotten back. But yeah, I'm going to use my luggage stand for the first time. I also got, I know you like these too. I got truffle pouches. Oh, they're the best. They're these clear pouches. And um, theres I got a big one and a small one, a big one for kind of all my liquids instead of just like a plastic bag and then a small one for makeup. I'm just
0: like, I'm a pro jet setter now. Look at me. Look at you. And look at me being influenced by you. Usually I'm the influencer and I love mine too. I was going to make it my obsession, but it was something that you were talking about already.
1: No, I'm really excited. I I got mine. When I first said it, um, I said it to my group text of friends and everyone was like, you're literally insane. And then I put it on my Instagram story and I felt very supported and um, I, I went for it. I'm excited about my
0: new at home luggage stand lifestyle. We went to Charleston and my mom had them in every bedroom too.
1: I think it's a Southern thing because a a lot of people DM me to say that they are from the South and that in every home in the South, there's always a luggage stand in every guest bedroom. Interesting. My parents aren't Southern. But they live in the South now. And she said they got them as a gift. Oh, okay. So I'm excited. Yeah. Very pro at home luggage
0: stand. Yeah. I love it. I can't wait to use mine. What about you? So mine is um, some skincare things. So the first one is, it's Sephora just launched a collection of clean products. I don't know if you saw it, but. No everything is under $20, everything is clean, and all of the packaging is either made from recycled materials or completely recyclable. So it's really cool what they're doing. They have a vitamin C and E serum, which I find to be very similar. I'm only saying it here. I can't say this on my blog. Very similar to the SkinCeuticals serum. Um, it's great. You only need a really small amount. I was a little bit overzealous and it made me break out because I put so much on my face because I tend to take a very heavy hand to all of my serums. I'm like, the more I use, the better. No, only use like three or four drops. Like what I usually do is brush my teeth while the serum sinks in. And then I use moisturizer. And I found that my skin just needs something a little bit lighter for summer. I've, just noticed that my face has been feeling a little greasy, which is crazy because I have really dry skin. And I've been using the Sisley Youth Moisturizer. This is an old discovery. I blogged about it like three or four years ago, and it's a wonderful moisturizer. It's anti-aging, but it's just a lot lighter. And so I've been using that plus the Sephora CE Serum, and I love the combination. Also, this is like a total tangent, but Helena from Brooklyn Blonde had been like, I use vitamin C in the morning. And I was like, I use it at night. This serum comes with specific instructions to use it in the morning.
1: I think you I think she's right. I think you're supposed to use vitamin C in the morning.
0: Well, you are. But I got tripped up because I also use a lot of vitamin C peels like the beauty counter one and the Kiehl's one both deliberately say use it at night. Hmm. So I just, just was lumping all vitamin C into that.
1: Anyway, I'm curious to hear about your Instagram because
0: I see it on the outline and it's a weird one. Oh, it's a super weird one. So I blame this on Mary Orton um, because she posted this really cute thing that James Vanderbeek, yes, James Vanderbeek, Dawson from Dawson's Creek, posted of his family. James has a beautiful wife and five children. And they are always doing cute things. So this is like very strange for me to even be into because I'm not really a kids person. But I love his account. I love his kids. They're such a beautiful, cute family. And they're like they were all traveling and took a selfie with like seven people in the selfie. And he was talking about how people were asking him how he travels with so many. And he's like, I can't imagine not traveling this way. He seems like he's really like a cute dad. Did you watch Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23? For a
1: minute, I couldn't get into it. That made me like him so much more because his whole character, he played himself, but he played this like very egotistical version of himself. And just like him making fun of himself really made me like him a lot more.
0: I did like that too. Yeah?
1: Yeah. Maybe I'm going to follow him. I, I don't have an Instagram follow because I'm still trying not to follow more people so that I spend less time on Instagram. I still have that timer set on my phone so that at an hour and a half it tells me it's like you've used your social media time. Yeah. It's disgusting how early I run out of it. Yeah. So, I'm not following anyone. I don't have anything to add for this segment. If I still don't have one next week, maybe I'll just go back and do some greatest hits. I'll tell you guys all the dogs I follow on Instagram. I'm impressed. I follow way too many people, but I just I just keep keep adding more. So, I don't have anything on the on the Instagram front, but I do have something I really want to talk about on the book front. Let's talk about it. Oh, so, I'm,
0: I read this like ages ago and it, Oh my God, it broke me.
1: So I just finished, uh, tell me lies by Carola Lovering. And this was another Ashley Spivey wreck, friend of the pod pro book recommender. And this book was very intense. It was great, but it like ripped my heart out. So the premise of the book is, um, a girl in it flashes back from present day when she's in her early 20s. She's like maybe five years out of college and then back to her freshman year in college and she meets this guy her freshman year and it's told back and forth between their perspectives and he's like a legit sociopath but it's so relatable because it's it's the story of that on and off again relationship with the guy who just doesn't like you. But she's so hung up on him. Yes. And I think most We women, all have someone like yeah, that. Yeah, I think most women can relate to that where it's just like one-sided and you like them so much more than they like you. And I mean, in this book, he's definitely a villain. He's definitely a sociopath. But like you can relate to it even if it's like a lighter version. Oh, it's my God. It's very triggering.
0: This book ripped my heart out. Mm-hmm. It's one of the few books that I read and I was like, I'm keeping this on the shelf just to like have in case I go down another. There's a person that it reminds me of a lot. And if I ever were to like get kind of rendezvous with him again, I need to read the book again.
1: Oh, my God. It was really good. I would really recommend it. But do it when you're in the right headspace to read
0: it because it's intense. I really feel like it should be required reading for every college girl. That's probably like it's a cautionary tale. Like don't wind up like this. that's probably
1: very true. If you know anyone in college, I don't know if I would listen to it. I would be like, I would never do that.
0: Yeah. Until you've done it. I know. Exactly. Uh, Oh, it was good, good, though. It was a
1: really good book. Yeah.
0: What about you? Mine is Three Women, which I'm finally reading. Finally, Grace. I finished Save Me the Plums and it was just it was the best book ever. But But this this is, is amazing, too. It's so good. Somebody DM'd
1: me. Um, just while we were recording the podcast. And she said that she's 16 pages into this book and already she's like so wowed and cannot even believe
0: that this is real. It's so complicated. The writing is exquisite. It reads, you're, you're right. It reads, you said this last episode or whenever you were reading it, it reads more like fiction than nonfiction. And it's some of the stuff that happens is so crazy that you, you think it's fiction. And you're like, no, I'm, I'm reading really well researched nonfiction
1: and it's so special because she because she wrote it over eight years and I think she lived a lot of the moments with them, she can tell them in a way that is so detailed. it is just it is the best nonfiction I have ever read. It's really good.
0: I'm coming off of Save Me the Plums, which is also nonfiction. So I'll say that I'm reading the two best nonfiction books I've ever read.
1: I'm really excited. It's our book club pick for August. And I can't wait to discuss it because there's so much to unpack in this book. Yeah. But if you need a book recommendation, we have our July book club coming up the last Wednesday of July, July 31st. And we are reading American Spy by Lauren Wilkinson, which was our reader's choice pick. We let our Facebook group pick the book this month. And uh, we'll be discussing it in a couple weeks. So you still have time to read the book and join the club. Yeah. And in the meantime, if you would like more of us, uh, we are recently on two other podcasts. We were recently on Sarah's Bookshelves and the SSR podcast, which is Shit She Reads. So we're talking about books with them. Go listen to their episodes. And we're always on the internet apparently my phone timer can't stop me. So follow us at Bad on Paper Podcast. Join our Facebook group, which is my favorite place on the internet. I'm on Instagram at
0: Becca M. Freeman. I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood, and my blog is thestripe.com.
1: So go there and see if she did write about the Nordstrom sale.
0: Yeah, find out. I probably did.
1: Wow. Yeah. Spoiler. But we'll see you next week for another Just Us episode all about salaries and negotiating, which I'm so excited about. I cannot wait. Yay, see you next week. Bye, guys.